Good morning. It's DJ and PK. It's 97.5 and 12.80 The Zone. Well, the Utah Jazz do it again. This one looked a little different. But same result. They get a comfortable win, win by double digits, stretch it out, pull away, and eventually just blow the Hornets off the floor in the fourth quarter. It was a weird game. Crazy game. The Jazz were not sharp early. Charlotte was... Uh, Motivated, They were the more lively team, the more energized team, and they took it to the Jazz. They forced a lot of turnovers, which is Quinn Snyder noted in his postgame. You'll hear that coming up later in the hour. Uh, it's how they play. They take chances. They gamble. Donovan Mitchell talked about that, too. They like to get in the passing lanes, go for steals, and get out and run. And, of course, if they don't get the steal, then the Jazz have them in a scramble and ought to be able to get either a dunk for Rudy or a three-pointer. So early in the game, it was all turnovers. A lot of points in transition. I think there's a decent discussion about whether the Jazz defense was really bad or whether all the defensive numbers got bad because there were so many turnovers and points in transition. Certainly there were some breakdowns in the half-court defense, but I'd lean more towards the transition points were killing them. Uh, But then down 81-70, midway to late third quarter, the Jazz suddenly got rolling. They went on a 10-3 run to make it 84-80, and Charlotte called the timeout, and they dropped another run on them. It didn't really, that timeout didn't really disrupt them. They just kept the run going, and the Jazz went up 91-90 going to the fourth quarter. And then they opened the fourth quarter with like a 20-2 run. <laughs> and it was over. It was pretty much a 20-point game the rest of the way. And the Jazz win big. The three-point shooting for the Jazz, unbelievable. 28-55. I mean, we had Rick Bonnell on who covers uh, the Hornets for the Charlotte Observer. And he told us the threes are inevitable. He says, Charlotte gives up a lot of threes. The Jazz take a lot of threes. It's no accident that the Jazz made like 26 of them when they scored... Uh, I think 138 points in Charlotte and won that game by 20-whatever. And similar deal here. Uh, Niang went off. (laughs) He was 7 of 7. But he wasn't the only guy who was hot. Uh, Joe was 7 of 10. Clarkson was 5 of 10. I mean, those three guys came off the bench and went 19 of 27 from three. (laughs) This is video game numbers. What are are we doing here? Uh, so Larry the Laker uh, was tweeting back when I was tweeting about those numbers, and it's like, yeah, but that won't happen to the playoffs. That's unsustainable. Well, of course it is. <laughs> it's it's the most three-pointers in the history of the NBA by a, a bench. It's, I think, the second most three-pointers in the history of the NBA by a team. Of course it's not sustainable. You're not going to do that 16 times in the playoffs. Absolutely not. Now, I will say that, Three of the top five three-point shooting nights now in the history of the league have been this month. So the game is changing. So what was normal and what was sustainable is different now. You know, it, it just is. Uh, but having said that, I, I do not expect the Jazz to go 28 for 55 <laughs> in one playoff game after another. I wouldn't think that's going to happen. So Jazz get away with the 22 turnovers. It just looked like two different games. Uh, everything that happened until it was 8170, and then everything that happened after 8170. It was just night and day. <laughs> it was just completely different. Jazz ran them off the floor. And the defense, man, the defense got a lot better. Rudy blocked like six shots. Um, you know, I, there was a stretch there where he wondered if he was going to get to a triple double because. He just started. There was one possession where he blocked like two shots in two minutes. He was just so energized. The energy was so different than it was early in the game. So the Jazz get the victory. All right, we're going to take a break. 
Uh, we do have the best of jazz post game show coming up. You're going to hear from Quinn Snyder. You're going to hear from uh, Donovan Mitchell and Rudy Gobert, who could be, I would think, will be uh, picked as uh, All Star reserves. That'll get announced on TNT at five o'clock tonight. All right, we're going to take a break. When we come back, Steve Cleveland, our basketball insider, stay with us. Take the zone with you wherever you go. Let's go. Download the all-new Zone Sports Network app on your phone and get live streaming of the zone as well as podcast editions of every show. From Salt Lake to Shanghai, Provo to Portugal, or Ogden to Oslo, wherever you go, we'll tag along. Let's go. Download the new Zone app by searching Zone Sports Network wherever you shop for apps. It's the Zone Sports Network app. From 97.5, 1280, The Zone, and The Zone Sports Network. DJ and PK, it's 97.5 and 1280, The Zone. Time for a basketball insider, Steve Cleveland. Uh, he's in California. So we will never get him this early in the morning. But he knows a lot about basketball, and it's interesting, and we'll get into this with him, you know, for different reasons. He follows the Lakers, the Clippers, and the Jazz pretty closely, and they are the top three teams in the West. Although, the Lakers did lose again to the Wizards in overtime last night. Um, but here's Steve, talking hoops with PK and I. Steve, good morning. Good morning. So, Steve, the top of the West in the NBA is interesting. You know, you grew up in California. The team of your youth, the Lakers, you went to college at UC Irvine right down the road from the Forum, and you could follow them. You coached in Utah. One of the star players that you coached at Fresno, Paul George, is with the Clippers. And now the Jazz play the Clippers with both teams at full strength. And so you have interesting takes on all these clubs. You see the Jazz and the Clippers play. Does this reset what you think about the West? How do you look at these three teams now? You know, uh, right now, you know, if we had to play for a championship, you know, I think it would be either the Jazz or the Clippers, just based upon what's happening. Obviously, Paul and Kawhi missed some games, but uh, I've watched them play their last couple of games. And uh, this is a big – I mean, you could say it's a big game for the Jazz, but I think it's actually a bigger game for the Clippers. I'm not exactly sure – uh, what's going on. I don't know if you saw any of that Clippers game last night, but Paul must be on some kind of minutes restriction. Yeah. Because he's, he goes for 36 or 37, and all of a sudden he's going to play the last three or four minutes when they have a chance to win the game. And I'm thinking, certainly minutes restrictions, you can figure it out where someone could actually be in the game at the end. I, 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 I could not understand that. Maybe there's something I don't get. But uh, this is a big game for the Clippers. I'm not something that they can prove that, you know, together they should be pretty healthy. Um, but the Jazz obviously uh, play well. They play well pretty much whether they're at home or on the road for the most part. And, they, you know, they just uh, played each other a little bit ago. So, I don't know. I, I, I think the Clippers have more to prove. and uh, But certainly they have great talent. And, uh, you know, they've got to be better defensively than they've been. They, they just do silly things. So, I know watching the game the other night, or last night, I watched the last part of it. Felt like the Clippers had plenty of opportunities to win, but uh, the Nets prevailed. Yeah, I think that was obvious there. That was a fun game to watch on Friday. It had yeah. a little bit of a uh, a playoff atmosphere, and the Clippers clearly were jacked for that game, knowing that it's a national television game. Their guys have been out, and the Jazz had won 21 out of 22, whatever it was. And so they're the team that's getting a lot of the attention. So I, I appreciated the playoff intensity. One of the things that was interesting in that game was that Conley comes back after missing six games, right? Jazz go 6-0, and obviously, during that time. And I was looking at Joe Ingles, 
in half of those games, he scored at least 20 points. He scored 20 points, I think, four times this season. So three of them came when Conley was out. One came when Mitchell was out earlier in the season against the Mavericks. So when he moves in the starting lineup, statistically his production goes up. He's one of these guys that you can't just strictly judges contribution by a box score but when Conley comes back the other night he goes one of four isn't near the factor what can Quinn Snyder do it's just one game so I don't want to go crazy either but what can he do to increase Joe's productivity because obviously the talent is there well I I think Joe has really played well and I think I mean I think those are converse private conversations that you have first of all with you know with Joe and and you talk about what his role is and he can't I think there's a tendency to defer to you know leading scorers guy you know systems are set up to get certain guys certain shots certain places and when you come in and fill in for a guy that's been playing significant minutes you just assume automatically you know mentally emotionally every which way hey these are my minutes and I'm going to get those shots. And and then when he comes back, you take a more of a secondary role, and I I think you have to be careful about that because Joe is a guy that really when he gets it going, he's just so cerebral as he plays, but he can really shoot it. And so I think they have to have that conversation. I think they probably if they haven't already, you know, just to watch a film like that. So let's see where how aggressive you really were here. I mean, that was a shot you should have taken. You know what, what's going on here and. So sometimes players do get – and Joe's a seasoned veteran. I mean, he's a guy that knows how to play the game, understands the game. But it is true that – and it's not just with the Jazz. You see it all the time where guys have opportunities. There's just virtually – you just get locked in and know, hey, this is what I'm supposed to do. I'm taking this open shot. It's mine. And, uh, and, and you play with a different mindset. So I think it's a bit more about the mindset than it is about his physical attributes, as you mentioned. I mean, he's been playing really well. Uh, but he's got he's to get his looks, take his shots, because when he is shooting well, that team is way different. And I don't think they give a whole lot up when anytime Joe Ingles plays, but he's not as athletic as some guys, and you know, he's not going to – there's some guys who have maybe a more difficult time guarding. But when he's on the floor, they're, they're just such a cerebral group, and they just – it's always one more pass. And uh, I – they're all veterans enough to know that, hey, if one more comes to you and you've got your feet squared ready, you have to shoot the ball. And that you have to, I just say it's a mindset thing that coaches can talk with players and, uh, and players can talk with players. You know, and I mean, I think there's a situation where, I mean, I, I don't know who the leaders are in that locker room. I would think Joe would be one of them. Uh, but Donovan Mitchell certainly has a, is a voice. You know, he, Donovan Mitchell, he, for me, I would probably call Donovan Mitchell and say, hey, talk to your boy here. He's, he's got to take shots. Uh, you know, he can't, he's got to know that we trust him and that we have confidence in him. So I think you work the angle a little bit through coaches, through players, and, and then you move on. But you make, the message is clear that you've, you've got to be involved in this offense for us because there's going to be injuries. There's going to be things happen. And you got to be prepared for all the things, especially this year. Oh, my goodness. Every every week, every game, there's somebody missing for some particular reason, and so uh, the Jazz have been able to stay at the top of this thing because they've got the, they've had the best continuity of guys playing. That yes, Conley missed five or six games, but guys stepped up and filled in, and uh, so <clears throat> that's just part of that culture there. And they just, I agree with you. I think they're convers. You got to at least have a conversation. 
and talk about those things and then move on. So every every game, right, the teams bring the, the star power, the celebrity, the names on the jersey, the recent history of the clubs. But if you strip that all away, and coaches like to do that and say, it's just basketball, but the Lakers, the Clippers, and the Nets play in L.A. and New York in the biggest markets. And they've got super teams in some form that were a combination of free agency and leverage trades that bring together all-stars and Hall of Famers. And the Jazz are built through the draft, some trades, and I guess one major free agent signing. So it's a different deal. Have you seen enough now, especially recently here with the Nets playing the Clippers and the Jazz playing the Clippers, to say the Jazz are on the same level as these three other teams with their star power and celebrity and all that stuff? Are you confident in that in a seven-game series with the Jazz against any of these or all of these clubs? I mean, I think, when I look at the Jazz, and the more you watch them play, the more you realize you know how connected they are as as a team, offensively and defensively. And I, and I think I've said this before: is I, I think with the Jazz, you do have some great players on that team, but it's more for me. It's just, it's the sum of the parts are, are greater than individuals and. Every game Donovan Mitchell plays, he gets better. You know, you, you, Conley comes back and he makes contributions. And, and Bogdanovich, you know, I mean, Bogdanovich will, you know, last week he had a couple of games where, you know, he's at 11, he's at 5, and then boom, he's at 23. And, and I'm not, I haven't watched all of these games because sometimes there's circumstances and things that impact this. But I, I do believe that my, my gut, in my gut, it tells me. The Jazz have the capacity and the capability to win a seven-game series. I think there's less margin for error for them than there is maybe for the Lakers' full strength and the Clippers' full strength. I'll be honest with you. I think the Lakers are really vulnerable. Uh, I think Caruso, who played really good last year, is really struggled. Kuzma, he's very capable, but makes me really nervous defensively and just as hot and cold. And uh, you know, and I, I don't. And Schroeder obviously has been down a little bit. And Anthony, you know, for me, Anthony Davis, when the Lakers were the best in the bubble, Anthony Davis was playing the five. And and I think in that situation, he, you know, you they had to go out. You know, it opens the floor because he can shoot it. But when he's inside, and he can do his work, and they can surround him with shooters, I like that version of the Lakers. So, uh, you know, right now. The, all three of those teams are awfully good. You know, you can nitpick a lot of things, but I, when I watch that game, the, the Clippers against the Nets, uh, you know, Paul is, is, has really played well this year, and, he, and obviously he's been he's been out. But with Paul and Kawhi uh, playing at that level, then Nicholas Batum didn't play either. I don't think for a couple of games, but I, I think the Clippers and the Jazz right now are the two best teams in the West, and uh, I just I just don't trust. I just don't think. LeBron by himself can beat either one of those teams. Uh, but if, if you're talking about seven-game series in the playoffs, Jazz have never been more prepared, but there is still kind of a question mark. There was there a question mark like, can they beat them in seven games? And can McDonavich play well in four or five games where he's got to have 20? And can Joe Ingles be in a situation where he's scoring 15 to 17 a game coming off the bench or starting, whatever the circumstances are? You know, and occasionally Gobert will disappear, you know, depending on matchups and situations. So, yeah, I, 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 I do have questions whether they can actually finish that right now. And we, I, I need, we need more games to watch. 
And uh, and the thing about it, it we it's kind of like fool's gold to me. A lot of this with the protocol issues, with uh, no home court advantage, uh, with injuries, it's really hard the first third of the season to get a sense in the field of what you really trust when you watch it play. And uh, I love I've watched the Jazz enough to know that they are going to be in every game. They're, they're not. They're just too well coached and too disciplined and and too talented right now to go places and just get beat unless they it's a you know it's a back to back and and uh, they're traveling across the country or something. I don't I don't have that same confidence in the Clippers and the Lakers when they go through those things. So I, I think a little bit of the maturity of the Jazz is a significant role in their journey to to get to the NBA Finals. But I still, there's something about the Clippers and the Lakers where they can do things on their own with or without an offense and just jump up and make shots. Brooklyn Nets especially. My goodness. Uh, it's, it's incredible. I mean, we really haven't seen them all play together for a period of time. Uh, but, the, but the Nets are really scary offensively. I mean, it, it's... You watch me just go, whoa. And then all of a sudden when the the fourth and fifth guys come in and start making baskets, uh, I know defense wins championships, but the Nets might be able to put up 150 a night in the series. So we'll have to see. But I'm I'm higher on the Jazz and the Clippers right now than I am the Lakers. Uh, and, and even when Anthony Davis comes back, I feel like they can put him in a role where he can, in fact, play, score inside and score outside and not play two bigs together. Uh, I, I think it's just better when you have four shooters and you have a big that's so versatile like that. So speaking of those next, Steve, that's exactly where I was going. You know, they've been playing well, and Duran has been out. How much sacrifice is going to be required by their three big stars in order to make this thing work? I will tell you this. It's the most impressive basketball I've ever seen James Harden play. And I've watched him score 60 points in games and do crazy things. But he seems to have the, the innate ability to understand where he's at and what's going on. And if KD's not on the floor, certainly he understands that. But he def- he'll defer to KD. And, you know, Kyrie is going to do what Kyrie does. And, and when it's going, it's, it's unstoppable. But I, I think that I, I think the question mark for a lot of people was, how does James Harden come in here and fit? And I think he fits really, really well. Uh, I think he understands his role. Uh, He knows that uh, if there's just two of them on the floor, that he's got full license to go and create. When KD's there, he realizes how important KD is going to be. And you just watch James Harden play on a different team like this where he has opportunities and then he defers and passes. I mean, he looks, that's, I think that's the one thing as a fan. People go, you know, he's just jacking up 40 shots every game. You know, he's got the ball in his hand 80% of the time. But, he, I mean, certainly he's going to have the ball in his hands. But he's a different player right now, I think. And uh, and I, they're, they're, they seem to be getting more comfortable. I, is KD coming back soon? I haven't heard. I didn't see any medical reports or anything. But uh, it's going to be fun to watch this team play a composite of 10 games together and see what that looks like because we really don't know what the Nets look like. And, uh, and, and Kyrie's ability to just create shots and make shots. But, but that, makes me, that, that part of Kyrie's game makes me nervous because when that's not going, does he know when to turn it off and defer and 
look to other guys as well. And uh, if they figure that out, they are going to be really good, and, and uh, there will be less talks about uh, how weak they are defensively and more talks like, hey, this may be the greatest offensive team that you know, this may match the, the Warriors-type team where everybody could score and, uh, and do it in a lot of different ways. So, yeah, I, I, th- I think James Harden has come in and made that transition smooth. He seems to have a good attitude, and uh, they're, they're pretty locked in. Well, Steve, as always, we appreciate a few minutes. Thanks for joining us, and we will talk to you again next week. We'll have a Jazz-Laker game in the books by then. Yeah, that's that's, that's going to be fun to see. All right, guys, have a great week. There's Steve Cleveland, our basketball insider. When we come back, the best of the Jazz postgame show. Take the zone with you wherever you go. Let's go. Download the all-new Zone Sports Network app on your phone and get live streaming of the zone as well as podcast editions of every show. From Salt Lake to Shanghai, Provo to Portugal, or Ogden to Oslo. Wherever you go, we'll tag along. Let's go. Download the new Zone app by searching Zone Sports Network wherever you shop for apps. It's the Zone Sports Network app. From 97.5, 1280, The Zone, and The Zone Sports Network. Good morning, DJ and PK. It's 97.5 and 1280, The Zone. The Utah Jazz get another win. They spot the Hornets a lead, gave the Hornets two and a half quarters to mess around, and then the Jazz took over and dominated the last 15, 16 minutes of that game. Uh, It was a heck of a run by the Jazz. Just a flurry of three-point shots. They tightened up the defense. Jake's got the entire wrap-up now on 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. Your Jazz recap here on DJ and PK 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. Jazz beat the Hornets last night in a really exciting game, actually. 132-110. to uh, The Hornets uh, stuck with the Jazz, even led by as many as nine in the third quarter, but the, then the Jazz go on a 26-2 run, end up pulling away from the Charlotte Hornets, set a bunch of franchise records uh, in the uh, process, particularly from three, set a record for attempts with 55, set a record for makes with 28, uh, George Niang was 7 of 7 off the bench. Joe, Joe Ingles, 7 of 10. Uh, Jordan Clarkson was 5 for 10. The Jazz had 19 made three-pointers coming in off the bench. Just incredible. Jazz had four players score over 20 points. Donovan Mitchell with 23. Joe Ingles, 21. George Niang, 21. And Jordan Clarkson uh, with 20. Rudy Gobert had a nice night. 10 points, 12 rebounds, and 6. Count them, 6 block shots as Jazz score 41 points in the fourth quarter. Going on to leave Charlotte in the dust. Let's get some postgame sound. Let's start things off with Jazz head coach Quinn Snyder. Okay, we'll start with Kristen Kenny, Jazz TV. Coach, we talk about the ability of this team to be able to respond, and the Hornets were switching, causing issues, getting downhill in the first half. What were the little things that you guys did that allowed you to weather the storm and pull this one off? Well, we, we didn't do a lot of the little things right in the first half, and I think that's why there, there was a storm, um, beginning with you know getting back with enough urgency. Um, you know, they were able to get to the rim and transition and. You know, we just we didn't get stops. We weren't we weren't playing the way we needed to play defensively, and I think we were fortunate to be where we were because we were we were still making some shots. But I, I thought out of halftime, you know, we really internalized that that we needed to you know to be solid on the defensive end, and then you know the offense has a way of taking care of itself um, regardless of you know how people are defending us if we just space. Um, and we're ready to ready to shoot the ball. You know we can we can be effective. 
Eric Walden, Salt Lake Tribune. Q, what did you see specifically kind of change defensively as the game went along? Obviously, it seemed like the transition defense improved a little bit, um, maybe a little more sound pick and roll. What what specifically uh, started working for you in the second half, and especially in that in that twenty sixty two run? Well, when you have everybody doing their job, you know, pretty well, or one guy has a breakdown, um, those things add up. So it was a variety of things. You mentioned we weren't getting back. Um, you know, they were laying the ball in a few times, and we just weren't um, – we, we weren't alert. Um, we weren't locked up on the ball where we needed to be in pick and roll. We weren't talking and getting late switches when we needed to. We weren't hitting people on the glass. You know, we weren't at high enough for the point of the screen. We weren't locked enough against the guy in the corner. There was a bunch of things that, you know, they didn't happen every time. But when you have a possession and one or two things goes wrong, we didn't communicate. Um, you know, those teams or uh, those things show themselves. And, you know, I thought Charlotte did a really good job, too. I mean, they they made plays and took advantage of the fact that um, we weren't as precise as we needed to be on the defensive end. And, you know, I thought the second half, um, we cleaned a lot of those things up, all those, those little things. Um, and, you know, the, it makes it harder. And then, you know, you're fortunate if you can get them to miss some of those shots if they're you know, having to work harder to get them. Sarah Todd, Desiree News. George, uh, he, has, he previously has another season, so it's probably a matter of how gratifying is it to come through, through uh, the struggles that he's had this season. Sarah, I'm I'm sorry, I could I I, I couldn't I only heard the, like little parts of the question. Which player you th you say George? Uh, Jordan or George? George. George. Yeah, George. Yeah. George. Uh, George, because he's like a really capable player, but obviously he's been struggling. So is it nice to see him kind of get out of that a little bit? Yeah, it's you know the thing about George's shooting um, is that you know the best thing is he hasn't stopped, and you know we have so much confidence in him shooting the ball. Um, but I think it's, it's like our team, you know, his ability to just run in transition, you know, get on the defensive glass, you know, doing all those other things. You know, I, I've felt like I've looked at a game where he's, you know, been over five or something and still felt like um, he, he, he played well. And, you know, I'd like to think our guys can play well, even if they're not making shots, as long as they're taking the right shots. And in George's case, as you said, it's, you know, it's affirming, you know, to keep doing that because we're all, you know, it's human nature. You can get frustrated if you're not seeing the ball go in the basket, particularly, you know, someone like George who's as good a shooter as he is. So um, I just like the fact that he didn't hesitate and he kept shooting. And, you know, that's, that's how you break through is if you, if you keep shooting it. So yeah, it's, it's, I think all his teammates know how hard he works um, and know that, you know, he's, he's doing all the little things that he can do to help the team. And, you know, his shooting is, is something that when he's, you know, on like that, it's, it's a, you know, it's obviously a, a big deal for us and it's, a, he's a weapon. David James, KUTV. 
Quinn, that was an awful lot of turnovers there. Do you attribute them to spacing, decision-making, uh, focus? What, what happened? Well, this is a team in Charlotte that, you know, they, that's what they do. Um, and I think spacing definitely early on, I thought, you know, something as simple as, you know, ball faking, um, you know, pass faking, looking passes off, you know, not making a one, but just being really fundamentally sound um, because they take advantage of that. You know, when you do those things, you know, you're able to generate good shots, but they're, they're the way that they play, they're aggressive. And if you take care of the ball, you know, you're going to have those opportunities. But, you know, as you said, um, when you don't, um, you know, they're going the other direction. And those are those plays are big, big swings. I thought, you know, you saw us be much more precise, both with the spacing and with our passing in the second half. And, you know, the results were good. Last question, Andy Larson, Salt Lake Tribune. When that lineup of Conley, Clarkson, Joe, George, and, and Rudy has been phenomenal for you guys on really both ends of the floor, you know, what is it that makes them, you know, obviously there's a lot of spacing there offensively, but, you know, especially defensively, why does that work out so well? Well, I think those guys, you know, and, and Mike, um, you know, Mike starts it with, you know, his, you know, his pressure on the ball, um, and just being up and disruptive and, and, and having an impact on the game. And, um, you know, I, I think one thing is their communication where um, they do a good job of talking, you know, talking plays out. Um, and maybe, you know, additionally, it's not a real big team um, that there's some urgency on the defensive glass. And maybe it's because if they get a rebound, they know they go to get to the other end and shoot too. So there's incentivized. But I think, I think Rudy's the key to a lot of that, to be honest with you. Um, when the floor space like that, you know, him tonight, his running, his rolling to the rim, you know, and his presence defensively. And um, those guys know how to use him. And, um, you know, and they're, they're connected. There you go. Jazz head coach Quinn Snyder, his team beat Charlotte 132 to 110. Uh, they improved their NBA best record to 25 and 6 on the season. Let's get some post game player sound. Let's start things off with Donovan Mitchell. We'll get started with Kristen Kenny, Jazz TV. All right, Don, I just got to get your thoughts on the minivan, George Niang tonight. Whew, he was lights out. Man, literally, um, you know, he continuously puts the work in time after time, um, you know, for him to have a night like this is huge, not just for himself, but for us, you know, no hesitation, shooting the ball, letting it fly, <clears throat> making plays off the dribble, just being aggressive, sliding his feet on defense. Uh, he did it all in, uh, in all facets of the game. And, you know, we're happy for him. You saw we kind of got him a water tonight, but, you know, this, this night is well earned for him, you know, and he's going to have many more just like this. Uh, but definitely, you know, I think he's, I think he broke a record tonight, like, most made threes consecutive or something like that. Uh, but, you know, I'm glad that, you know, the the work that he's been putting in is paying off and you've seen him have a, a really good season. Eric Walden, Salt Lake Tribune. Don, there was a lot not going right for you guys early in the game. And then all of a sudden you start stringing a few stops together. You start making some threes. And the next thing you know, it's a 26 to two run and you guys are up, you know, 15 or 20. What does it say about this team that you've got you know, the capability to just go on incredible runs like that at any given moment. 
I think, you know, the biggest thing, it just shows the will and the, <clears throat> the the character of this team. I think that's really where it starts with us. You know, it's never going to be perfect. We're going to have halves like that, you know, but it's not a much matter of reflecting on the half. It's a matter of what we do next. <clears throat> I think that's something that we, we've really, you know, excelled in this year so far is not really worrying about, you know, the mistakes, you know, understanding weather the storm, understanding that, you know, they came out hot, they came out ready to play, they played loose and played free, and then we locked in, you know, and, you know, it's always easy to say, man, we should have done it from the beginning, but it's not always going to be the case. Um, you're always going to have, you have teams that are ready to, ready to beat us, ready to, to play us, ready to go, and we just got to be able to go out there, and if we don't get the first punch, continue to just continue to plug away. You know, it's not going to be pretty always. It's going to be ugly games. There's going to be times where we're not, you know, seeing eye to eye. Um, and it's not a bad thing. It's the competitive nature of the game. And that's just how things are sometimes. And the way we play throughout the course of the game, that's the team we want to be. You know, teams that <clears throat> like the number one team in the league wins a game like that. You know, and I think that's really where our head is at. You know, that's that's where we have to continue to be. Um, it's not about, you know, whatever, like 67, 64, you know, they, they went on a, a, a huge run the first and second quarter, but how we responded, that's, that's what, you know, when I say like, when we say that that's the team we want to be, that's the team right there. Like that's the team bouncing back from adversity, understanding it's not always going to be uh, sunshines and rainbows and just gutting it out. And then offensively, you know, shooting the threes, you know, like it's, it's, it, it looks good, you know, but I think the biggest thing was just our defensive energy. Everything stepped up, made it tougher on them. Sarah Todd does right news. Hi, Don. Uh, <laughs> um, tomorrow, the all-star reserves are getting announced. And uh, I mean, I think probably obviously you and Rudy are hoping to both get in there. Um, what would it mean for you both to go a consecutive years? And then also, uh, how much are you pulling for Mike to actually make it into? Um, you know, it's, it's definitely something as a kid, you know, um, it's definitely an honor. You know, I think the biggest thing, it just equates to our team success. You know, if we, him and I make it, um, you know, I don't think that we kind of come into the season looking at, you know, I think, you know, for him and I, especially, you know, just kind of go out there and doing anything, whatever it takes to win, you know, and for, for him, it's, you know, you look at how he played tonight, you know, necessarily, not necessarily, you know, having a big game offensively, but, you know, he did a lot defensively, you know, that's what he does. That's a staple. And then for me, just continue to make plays and that's what we've been trying to do all year. And, you know, if it happens, you know, we're, we're, we're thankful and, and honored, but the end goal is still the end goal uh, for us and the team. And then, you know, the biggest thing is, man, I'm praying Mike gets in, man. I think, you know, for a guy like him who's done so many things for his career on and off the floor, he, he deserves this, you know, and I think, you know, I think he'll make it, you know, I, I'm, I'm banking on it, but, um, you know, he's he's a guy that puts the work in time and time again, um, has has put put, you know, just the time and effort. And I think that's this is going to pay off and, and pay dividends. And uh, we'll find out tomorrow. John Kuhn, AP. Donovan, as a team tonight, you guys made a franchise record 28 three pointers. The last time you guys played the Hornets, you made a franchise record 26 three pointers. What what about the way Charlotte defends you guys on the perimeters allowed you to have that much success consistently against them specifically? Um, I think, you know, they're a team that, that takes risk, and I don't mean that in a negative way. I mean that they, they have the personnel to do so. They have guys who are athletic, guys who are, you know, able to gamble and able to kind of get in the passing lane. You know, they're a team that turns people over and scores in transition. You know, I'd do the same thing if I was them, you know, I think. But it's about being able to keep our composure, you know, through that, you know, through, through the presses, through the trying to blow up our actions, just understanding, keeping our feet, you know, shot faking, making the extra pass, making the pass on target. Um, you know, with a team like that, you're going to 
turn the ball over. I think we had 19 tonight. I had like five or six myself, but it's continuing to play through that, understanding that there's going to be nights where they help, you know, they help untraditionally. They, they help strong side. They, they play, you know, they gamble and do different things. And, you know, we just got to continue to – our level of focus has to raise even higher, and I think we did that, and that's why we're able to get these threes off. David James, KTV. Donovan, when the uh, the turnovers are piling up and it's a double digit deficit, and you said you can't always start the game that well, what what turns it around? Is it something somebody says, Quinn, or one of the players? Is it looking at each other in the huddle? What does it? Because it changes so quickly. Um, I think I think being there, you know, I think it's experience at the end of the day. <clears throat> sometimes it's somebody saying something. Sometimes it's you. We've been through this before. We've we've seen it as a group. We understand. Like we started the game off well. You know, we started the game off. You know, making plays. We missed a few threes, but guys got open looks. And then about the six minute mark, it kind of changed. Um, so understanding that the difference, you know, and just just communicating that. Um, and it took some. It took it took longer than. Ideally, we wanted to, uh, but I wouldn't even say it was the, the offense, to be honest with you. I think the turnovers were, were one piece, but, you know, just being able to get back in transition after makes, you know, there's a lap play where I made a lap and fell and then I'm jogging back. We're not communicating. We're not talking. We're not pointing. So we can turn the ball over. It's going to happen as part of the game, but it's how do we, you know, match up? Do we do we take a foul early to prevent them from running the break? We knew they were going to do that, but we didn't have enough tension and detail to that early. And then as we picked up our intensity, picked up our energy and picked up, you know, our mental focus on that, that's what really made it, you know, easier for us. There's Donovan Mitchell, 23 points on 8 of 17 shooting, 8 assists for Donovan, 4 rebounds as well. And you heard him talk about how he hopes Mike Conley makes that all-star game, that uh, he would deserve it. Talked about how hard Mike has worked as well. Let's uh, get to George Niang, who had a career night last night. All right, we'll get started with Ryan Miller, KSL. Hey, George, uh, could you just describe the feeling when you have it going like that? Um. You know, obviously when you're in a rhythm and shots are going in, life is really good. You know, you just feel like you're in a zone. And obviously, uh, you know, as you can see, I was in that zone. And obviously when you're in it, it, it feels really good. Like I said before, when you make shots, you know, life is great. There's, you know, no problems ever in the world. Eric Walden, Salt Lake Tribune. George, as your uh, perfect life was unfolding late in the third and early in the fourth quarter, um, what can you say just about the, the ability of this team to go on an incredible run like that? You know, that 26 to two run that, that really turned things around. Yeah. I mean, uh, obviously the group <clears throat> or groups that I was in there with, um, we were doing a tremendous job of, of moving the ball, but I think more importantly, uh, Rudy Gobert did a great job of, you know, anchoring our defense and coming up with huge blocks, um, you know, contesting a bunch of shots so we could get out and really fast break and not let them really have their defense set. Uh, that being said, Rudy sacrificing himself, you know, rolling to the rim and making their defense sink in. And, you know, unselfish guys like Mike, Joe, JC, uh, being able to find me on kickouts um, for me to do what I do. Um, I think that's the great thing about this team, you know, is that we have guys that are willing to buy in and sacrifice to their roles. So, you know, maybe their personal numbers may not look the greatest, but the team's overall winning. And I, and I think that's what this organization stands for. And I think the guys in this locker room, have really bought into that. John Kuhn, AP. George, uh, tonight the bench had 19 three, made three-pointers, which is the most by any team's bench in NBA history. Um, what, what can you just say about 
the consistency of the second unit for the Jazz and ability to give that lift at critical times? Um, you know, I don't want to just give credit, you know, to the bench unit because, uh, you know, there's times where the starters pick us up. Um, but I think that's an incredible accomplishment. 19 threes is a, is a lot of points. I, I wasn't a math major, but that's a lot of points. Um, and, uh, you know, I, I think we go out there and we know our role and, uh, we, we do what, what we're supposed to do. I mean, I'm sorry, I'm tripping up on my words to try to give you a good answer, but like JC knows how to score pretty much on anybody, you know, when Rudy's in there or Faves in there, they know their job is to roll the rim to, you know, sink in the defense. Joe knows that, you know, he's to create for other guys and make open threes. And Mike knows the same. And I know my role is to take and make open shots. And if there's a bad closeout, drive a bad closeout. Like I said earlier, uh, you know, when you have a team that's bought into their roles and wanting to be stars in their roles, you have great success. And I think, you know, Coach Q has really preached that and made us believe in that. And the proof is in the pudding. Andy Larson, Salt Lake Tribune. George, I was a math major, and I can tell you that that was a lot of threes. So um, <laughs> I want to ask about uh, that lineup. I mean, that bench lineup, you, uh, Mike, Jordan, and Rudy, you know, with either Joe or Mie or whoever else in there has been really good on the defensive side as much as anything. I mean, you guys have a lot of spacing, but the defense has been great too. What is it that makes that lineup work so well defensively, especially? I mean, is it just Rudy or what else is that kind of goes into your success so far this year? Uh, you know, I, I definitely want to give a lot of credit to Rudy. Uh, you know, his, what he does, I hope doesn't go unnoticed. It doesn't go unnoticed in our locker room, but you know, publicly, you know, the way he alters shots, the way he makes other teams have to scheme and game plan around him allows us to, you know, have security pressuring up on the ball, knowing that the other team is going to have to score over a seven footer at the rim, two time defensive player of the year. Um, with that being said, you know, Mie does a great job on the ball, Mike, JC, Joe, but that can't happen if Rudy isn't behind us talking, anchoring the defense. So when you can make guys uncomfortable with pressuring them on the perimeter and force them to drive into uh, such a elite defender, um, you know, rotations seem more clear and easier and that really helps us. George Niang, 21.7 of 7 shooting, 7 of 7 from 3 as he comes in. And, uh, in fact, it's uh, the best, actually, excuse me, second best perfect three-point shooting night in Jazz history. Only Jeff Hornacek did it better on a night uh, back in November of 94 where he had 8 of 8 against the Sonics. So what a night for George Niang. Let's wrap uh, up the player sound with Rudy Gobert. We'll start with Eric Walden, Salt Lake Tribune. Hey, Rudy. So I just wanted to uh, open up with that 26-2 to run that you guys had in the late third, early fourth quarter that really kind of turned the game around. Just on top of kind of the incredible defensive turnaround that you guys had, uh, what really got you guys going during that stretch? Defense. You know, I think uh, they were really, really comfortable the whole game. Uh, you know, we didn't have much physicality, uh, much disruption in the first half, and uh, they were feeling good. And when we started to, you know, get into them a little more, uh, get physical, protect the basket, uh, you know, it was a different game. And we're always going to be 
most of the time we're going to be able to score, but if we don't play defense, we, we're not going to go nowhere. And, you know, we figured that out. Sometimes it's good to get a little slap in the face like we did in the, like we had in the first half tonight. And uh, just a little reminder that if we don't play defense, you know, we, we're not as good, not as good, not as good of a team. Ryan Miller, KSL. <laughs> hey, Rudy. Um, with tomorrow, with the All Star reserves getting announced, what would it mean to you to make it for a second consecutive year? I think it's, it would be a blessing, obviously, but uh, it's really a reward of what we've been doing as a team. And you know, we. I mean, when I when I look at All Stars and you know, defensive player of the year, all the individual stuff is not possible without the team and what we do as a group. And, you know, I don't know how many we're going to have, but uh, regardless of what, uh, whoever's going to be selected, I think it's, uh, it's just rewarding for the, for the work that we do as a team and as an organization. David James, KTV. Rudy, when you got the technical, it looked like you were going to punch the uh, the basket support there, and then the replay maybe opened your hand at the last second. Were you, were you thinking that a blo- uh, you know a broken hand there would that would wreck a lot of hard work at this point? When you're really mad like that, does that stuff ever cross your mind? I got some skills. I don't think I'll break my hand like that. But uh, no, I wasn't going to punch him. Uh, you know, it was a, a little reaction of anger, but I still have. Self, enough self-control to, you know, not punch somebody, especially uh, somebody like Ty that I think is a good guy. You know, he, he had a few tough calls tonight, but he's not a bad guy. So, no, nah, I respect what they do, and uh, I think they respect what we do. So, sometimes you get a little angry, but that's why you have teammates to calm you down. Sam Farmsworth, KSL. Hey, uh, Rudy, we talk about oftentimes offensive players getting in the zone, you know, when they're, when they're shooting, when they're hot. How about you defensively? I mean, six blocks tonight. Do you feel like you get into the zone defensively at times that uh, no one can score over you at moments like that? No, I do. I do. And, uh, you know, for me, the, the, the main thing is when I get into that zone, it's really to try to almost like share that to my teammates so we can all be in the, in the same zone. And I, I really think that's what happens tonight. You know, when I, when I make plays like that, I think it fuels uh, the whole team. And all of a sudden, you know, we, everyone got more energy and we, the shots start falling even more. You know, we, I think the team needs that. And whether it's uh, somebody getting hard on offense or me doing that on defense, you know, that's why I think we so hard to beat is because we, we know that during the game, we're going to have those moments when we all come together as a team. And, uh, you know, when we, we lock in, we just completely lock in and, you know, and, uh, whether we down 10 or up 10, uh, the game is completely changed after that. Kristen Kenny, just TV. How would you describe what George Niang brought tonight and just in general, just the work that he's put in, to have even nights like tonight, seven of seven from three, pretty amazing. I mean, it's amazing when you look at it, but, you know, every time George shoot the ball, I feel like it's going to go in. Uh, he's been putting a lot of work outside of practice, you know, a lot of extra reps. And, uh, you know, and uh, 
it's just hard work. You know, tonight we, we can see the results of, of his work and I'm sure he's going to have many, many more games like this where he just, you know, uh, knock down shots. And uh, I felt like he was also good defensively. And that's really the key with Joel. It's like we know he can shoot, but when he's able to, to have a positive impact defensively, uh, you know, his minutes on the court are really, really great for us. There's Rudy, 10 points, 12 boards, 6. Count them, 6 block shots for Rudy last night as the Jazz win over the Hornets, 132 to 110. Up next, the second-place team in the Western Conference is in uh, Vivint Arena coming up tomorrow night. The LeBron James and the Lakers are in town. That game will tip off at 8 o'clock. It's an ESPN game. Pre-game coverage will begin at 7 right here on 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. There's the best of the post-game show. When we come back, what is trending? All the headlines stay with us. Your day has just begun. But for DJ and PK, they're just hitting their stride. It's time for all your headlines from the night in sports. As DJ and PK tell you what's trending. Are you ready? On 97.5, 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. Hashtag Utah Jazz. Clarkson, right corner. Conley, do it again. Yes, do it again. To the rack, dunk. He brought the bunk. 121-102. Ingles, guarded by Biombo. Jabs with his left foot, now drives, help comes. Cross court to Donovan for the franchise record. Got it. 27 threes tonight for the Utah Jazz. And the Utah Jazz blow out the Charlotte Hornets 132-110. Down 11 in the third quarter. They go on a 41-11 run. PK, when you make 28 three-pointers, those 22 turnovers aren't such a big deal. No, they ain't, maybe. It's like when you throw three interceptions, but you throw seven touchdown passes. (laughs) You can overcome those. The Jazz bench, outrageously good at shooting the three. The combination of Niang, Ingles, Clarkson, 19 of 27 from three. That is... Off the charts good. Led by Niang, who was 7 for 7, but the other guys were shooting it pretty well, too. Yeah, that makes me nervous for tomorrow night's game, but I guess we'll worry about that then. Right, because who could possibly sustain that? Although, But if anybody can, it was George Niang. And, and, and has anybody ever asked him, why do you have the S on the end of your name and you're just called George? I don't have an explanation for you on that. I don't know if he's been asked and I missed it. Why don't you ask it? Uh, never really thought about it, but I'll get on that. Sure you have. You used to call him George's. That's yeah, I a did. flat when out lie. Yeah, I did. When he was brand new, I did. I know. But That's I don't a think flat about out lie. But I don't think about it now. But you know, you said I never really thought about it. That, that when you, Once you word the word never, that relieves you of any obligation of time. <laughs> I would love to be relieved of the <laughs> obligation of time. How cool would that be? <laughs> Always checking the time. Am I going to be on time? Am I early? Am I way early? Is today the right day? And just be relieved of the obligation. Well, of time. you said you've never really thought about it. I've seven oh six. If I thought about it, I would have got. If I thought about it, I would have gotten it right. That's why I got it wrong because I wasn't thinking about it. So I think I was right. Nice save. I don't <laughs> think you make any sense. Yeah, can I get a ruling? Yeah, you're ridiculous. That's the ruling. Get a second a opinion. You. You're, you're ugly too. I'll tell you. You got no respect. <laughs> hey. You both make valid points, but I'm siding Thank with Thank you, PK. that's it, you're done, goodbye. No, I'm, va- I'm siding with PK on this one, though. I'm sorry, you're breaking up. 
can't hear you. Not for me. You're as clear as a whistle. Uh. All right, Jazz, pick up another win. 25-6 and six now. And as you say, it's the Lakers tomorrow night, ESPN late game. 8 p.m. for the national TV. Lakers also playing last night. Let's get to that. Hashtag NBA. Paul with the fake. Paul throws it in the corner. Booker again. Better hurry. Baseline. Good. He hit it. And it counts as the first half comes to a conclusion. In out of Berton's right corner. Now to Westbrook. Cuts banks and scores at one. And he flexes. And the Wizards may have won. 127-124. I sat and I thought about the situation and, and reassessed. You know, as I had time to let the whole thing marinate and digest. I was dead wrong. And not that I was wrong, like I said, for the first tech per se, but once whatever that situation is, once I have the first tech, I I can't get the second tech. Well, that's true, but he was wrong for the first tech too because that was too close a game for him to be giving away a point. There's Draymond Green going over how he got kicked out at the end of the Charlotte game over the weekend. Uh, Why would I worry about what Jamon Green says today when there's going to be another issue tomorrow? Uh, it seems inevitable, doesn't it? The Wizards beat the Lakers in overtime, 127-124. Lakers have lost three in a row. Does that make you nervous for tomorrow night, too? Uh, not so much the Lakers, what they're doing. It's more about the Jazz. The Jazz shooting that well. Yeah. Lakers could not get a stop down the stretch as the Wizards score on four straight possessions in the last two minutes of overtime and win at 127-124. Russell Westbrook missing a triple-double by a single assist. 32 points, 14 rebounds, 9 assists. And Bradley Beal had 33 and some big hoops in overtime as the Wizards win their fifth in a row. Uh, PTI's got their lead story today. There it is. Washington, Washington Wizards. The Lakers without AD, and obviously they miss his offense, but they really missed his defense as the, uh, the Wizards got into the paint, did whatever they did. Marcus All didn't scare them. And maybe a little more length and athleticism from AD would have made a difference there in overtime. But he's not playing for a while, so the Wizards get the win. The Suns lighten up the Blazers. Four and five in the West squaring off. That wasn't much of a game. Phoenix buried him. 132-100. Devin Booker, 34 points. Surprised by how easy that was? Uh, Especially considering that uh, Chris Paul only made one field goal. They didn't need it. 132 points. A big output by the Suns. Who have now won... Uh, and they're they're rattling they're 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 uh, piling up the wind so fast and rattling them off here. It's now eight of nine for the Suns. Mavericks beat the Grizzlies one hundred two ninety two as Dallas tries to get it together. They they pick up a win and the Jazz are going to see the Heat when they open their road trip Friday in Miami. Heat beat the Thunder one hundred eight ninety four. That was the end of seven in a row on the road for Miami. Uh, they went four and three on their trip as they beat the Thunder. DJ, uh, one more thing, LeBron James rejecting any insinuation that he needs to cut back on his minutes. says, I think this whole narrative of LeBron needs more rest or should I take more rest or should I take more time here, it's become a lot bigger than what it actually is. I've never talked about it. I don't talk about it. I don't believe in it. We all need more rest. Bleep! 
This is a fast turnaround from last season, and we all wish we could have had more rest. But I'm here to work. I'm here to punch my clock in and be available to my teammates. If I'm hurt or I'm not feeling well, then we can look at it then. But I have nothing but honest people advising me, but I'm also honest with myself as well. And me having love for the game and not being able to be available for my teammates is more, and, and me being able to be available for my teammates is more important than anything. That's some old school, like man. You. you don't understand the definition of the word never. I've never talked about it. Seems to me like you're talking about it. Seems to me he's going uh, old school right there. Stockton Malone to be nodding. Don't miss it games. It doesn't matter. It, it doesn't matter what he thinks. He's not the coach. It matters what the coach thinks. If the coach wants to rest him, then he'll rest him. So I don't care what LeBron thinks in this way. It's up to the coaches and the management. That's their job to figure out if he needs rest. Not LeBron's job. I mean, I, I once played on a rec team. And the guy said that one of the players was the coach, right? We were all friends. And he's saying, well, you got to sit down for and let other guys play. And I said, well, then take me out. (laughs) I'm not going to take myself out. I want to play. That's up to you. I told him, I said, you want me to sit and put other guys in? Then take me out. If you don't want, that's your job, not mine. I'm not going to tell you, take me out. So I think that's Frank Vogel. So it doesn't really matter to me what LeBron says. If their people and their training staff and everything decide that this man needs a little more rest, then they decide that. If not, he plays. That's the way I look at it. Yeah, but realistically, LeBron has gotten coaches fired and can get coaches fired, and Frank Vogel is going to find out what LeBron thinks. Sure, you find out what he thinks. I'm not saying that it doesn't matter what he thinks, but it's not his decision. DJ and PK. Hashtag college basketball. BYU down to the last two regular season games at the Merritt Center. They're going to have a limited number of fans attending games for USF Thursday night and St. Mary's on Saturday. BYU 8-3 in the West Coast Conference. Looking to close it out with a couple more victories. Well, that doesn't tell me anything. A limited number. I know. Is it going to be 500? Is it going to What's be 5,000? And I saw that yesterday, a limited number. So what does that mean? Rumors we, suggest no more than 5,000, but that, no a specific number has been given. Well, that, that again, that doesn't tell me anything. I mean, rumors. I'm aware. I I, I, Walter Cronkite did not deal in rumors. Utah had their final two games of the regular season set by the Pac-12 yesterday. The Utes can host Oregon State March 3rd and host ASU March 6th to wrap up the Pac-12 regular season. DJ and PK. Hashtag college football. Can't tell the players without a program, PK. Former Oregon starting quarterback Tyler Shuck headed to Texas Tech as a grad transfer. He will compete for the starting job for Matt Wells this fall. See if he can play at Texas Tech after leaving Oregon. Okay. Former Notre Dame AD Jack Swarbrick said his school will not provide its name, logos, and other branding property to EA Sports for their announced new college football game until new rules to determine whether athletes will be able to receive a cut of the game's profits are finalized. Yeah, you added a, uh, a phrase there. Yeah, a you word. added something there. <laughs> he, he's the current AD, not the former AD. <laughs> oh, got that off the line above. Sorry. <laughs> former Oregon starting like, quarterback. Huh? <laughs> 
Actual, current, living, breathing, and working Notre Dame AD, Jack Swarbeck. And I fired the Notre Dame AD. That was brutal. DJ and PK. Hashtag NFL. I spoke to him, and he was just seeing, like, how, like, locked in I was to 11. And I told him that I was locked in. And he was like, that's cool, bro, because I'm probably going to switch anyway. So it went really well, and he's just a cool guy. I mean, like, he didn't try to press me or anything like that. Michael Pittman Jr. talking about Carson Wentz wanting his number 11. I don't think there's any deal that's going to be done. Glad we resolved that drama. Well, I mean, he isn't a former SC guy, so you know they're selfish just because of the fact that he played at SC, speaking of Pittman. So, of course, he's not going to give it up. And who gives a crap what your <laughs> number is? What difference does that make? I couldn't care less what your number is. Go play the game, man. See what you can do out in the field. And when Did Tom Brady get to where he is because he wore a specific number? No. Sure no. Jeez. Actor Shailene Woodley confirmed her engagement to Green Bay Packers quarterback Aaron Rodgers during an appearance on The Tonight Show with starring Jimmy Fallon. So, remarking on Rodgers' football talents, I don't get it. He's good. He's great. But, like, I don't understand because I don't know him as a football guy. I know him as the nerd who wants those Jeopardy. That's the dude I know. Well, lucky you. (laughs) Seriously. Pittsburgh Steelers coach Mike Tomlin has been diagnosed with COVID-19 and is self-isolating away from the team, but is reportedly in good health. Franchise would not confirm Tomlin's diagnosis, but did acknowledge members of the coaching staff and personnel were sent home from the facility last week after a couple of positive tests came up during their routine testing. DJ and PK. Hashtag Major League Baseball. We just rehired Iwakuma. Iwakuma was a pitcher for us for a number of years, a wonderful human being. His English is terrible. He wanted to get back into the game. He wanted to, and he came to us, and, and we quite frankly want him as, as our Asian scout interpreter. What's going on in the Japanese league? He's coming to spring training, and I made the statement, I'm tired of paying his interpreter. Because when he was a player, you know, we pay Iwakuma X, but we also had to pay $75,000 a year to have an interpreter with him. His English suddenly got better. His English got better when we told him that. So That's Kevin Mather right there. Seattle Mariners president and CEO has resigned his position after his comments during a Rotary Club appearance earlier this month surfaced this past weekend and received backlash. That was one of several topics that turned out to be controversial in Seattle. Also said the third baseman Kyle Seeger was overpaid. He's in the final year of his deal with the uh, Mariners. He said, Julio Rodriguez has got a personality bigger than all of you combined. He's loud. His English is not tremendous. And uh, the owner said he was uh, disappointed and does not represent how the club feels about players. They are genuinely, how they are genuinely viewed by management. Not inclusive, as inclusive as the owner wanted. Change at the top for the Mariners. Yeah, I think the biggest baseball story was yesterday that the Diamondbacks signed middle infielder 
Azubel Cabrera to a one-year deal worth of two or three million. And the Padres signed Fernando Tatis to a 14-year deal break th- worth $340 million. Just to give you a little difference between the haves and the have-nots right there. It's good to root for a big money club. <laughs> and Tatis, man, he really dialed it back in those comments. His, uh, you know, he signed 14 years because he start, wants to start working on the statue. He's skipping right past All-Stars and Hall of Fame. He's going right to the statue. you got to set high Buy goals, PK. Yeah. Well, Tony you can Gwynn's buy the stadium and put up uh, 40,000 statues of yourself <laughs> if you want. <laughs> Tony Gwynn and Trevor. cash. Tony Gwynn and Trevor Hoffman have their statues. Uh, get him one, too. I hope that works out. What is Trending is brought to you by Shamrock Plumbing. There's no job too big or too small. And get the personal touch with Shamrock Plumbing. Call them at 801-295-1690. That's Shamrock Plumbing. Coming up, Andy Bailey will be back on the show. He's joined us uh, several times over the years, covers the NBA for Bleacher Report. We will get his take on the Jazz and the Lakers coming up tomorrow night. And Yovan Bua, the Lakers beat writer for The Athletic, is going to join us at 9.30 to look ahead to that Jazz-Laker game. DJ and PK, it's 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. Number one. The Zone Sports Network is Utah's number one choice for sports radio in Utah. From DJ and PK to Hanson Scotty and the Big Show with Gordon Monson and Jake Scott, the Zone continues to dominate the competition. Thank you to all of you that continue to make the Zone Sports Network Utah's highest rated, most listened to sports station. Your home for the best coverage of the teams you're passionate about is right here. 97.5, 1280 The Zone. In the Zone Sports Network. Hot Takes or Toast is brought to you by Jerry Signer Cadillac. At Jerry Signer Cadillac, you can shop your way and get a piece of luxury you deserve. Stop by and test drive one today. Our question of the day. Wow. What the freak? How about that shooting? You had to throw what the freak in there, didn't you, PK? Yeah, I put two questions that and Conley on the All Stars. We will get to Conley on the All Stars. The Jazz. Shooting the ball at a freakish level, 28 made threes. How does that happen? And Colton says, all caps, wow, wow, wow. I think he was thrilled by the threes. Thrilled by the constant barrage. When you say barrage, doesn't that dictate that it's a constant? No. No. It doesn't? It could. Well, you're wrong, but go ahead. <laughs> okay, fine. Well, why do you ask? <laughs> I did, but to, to teach you. You did. That's why I asked. Rather than just demand you and, and just force it on you, I thought I would allow you to learn at your own pace. No, that's, con- that's a barrage of demeaning-ish. <laughs> what? <laughs> I made up a I new word. Leave me alone. Demeaning-ish? <laughs> yes. Demeaning-ish. <laughs> Okay. That's the, I'm teaching in a way to help you understand. It's a soft way. It really isn't. Live on the radio Man, is not a soft you're, way. You're just say. wrong. But and but in the manner that I did it with so uh, tepid, you probably don't even understand that word. I'm getting a little out of your league now. Tepid. Mm-hmm. Lukewarm. Soft. And just uh, not. 
not in your face, typical Jersey style, the way the nuns taught me. Hitting you with rulers. Nah, I was never abused. It was more in your face, like half an inch from your face. You will learn this, you little you-know-what. And I did, so it worked. I I didn't want to do that to you. I didn't want to make you cry so early. I wanted to have you be in a celebratory mood because those threes were just outraged. I don't know that I've ever seen anything like it, literally. They don't shoot as many threes. They shoot way more threes now than they used to. So you you can take out pretty much, uh, if I've been watching 30, just saying the round number, say I've been watching basketball 30 years, well, I could take out 25 of them. Because nobody shot threes the amount of for the first 25 of those 30 years, right? So however old you are, whatever you want to say, 20 years, you want to say uh, 30, 40 years, you take out most of those years because they didn't shoot as many threes as they do now. I'm speaking collectively, not just of the Jazz. I'm talking about the league. So you throw out most of that time because there was never that constant barrage because they didn't take them to that degree. Go look at box scores just a few years back. If you want to go back to the statues times and look at the box scores, you'll start shaking. You'll think, what the heck? This is dramatically different. So then you only have to have the most recent of times, say the last five years. I can't remember any Anything like it. It was just absolutely incredible. And, and Charlotte, I mean, there was one time Hayward, who we always watched his body language, at least I did, and he was above the uh, three point line, obviously, on the right side, on Charlotte's side of the court. And somebody, I don't even remember who it was, and you could just see Hayward just uh, like, oh my gosh, again. I mean, it's like running into a burning building with a bucket of water. You can't stop it. It was just absolutely incredible. I've literally never seen anything like it. So I think it's a combination of things. It's one, the Jazz are looking to shoot them. Two, the Jazz have a lot of guys who can make them. And three, the defensive plan for Charlotte was take an extra guy off the perimeter, usually out of the corner, and make sure Rudy doesn't get a dunk or make sure Donovan doesn't get to the uh, to the rim for a layup. And so they were bringing a guy in from the corner for a big chunk of that game and so whoever's in the corner, and obviously it was Niang for a while, that guy was getting really good shots. So let them keep shooting them, and then they're hot, and they got a bunch of guys who can make that shot, and next thing you know, 28 of 55. 50. I mean, how many games do you think if you went back in things. it? How many, how many games, if you went back, how many games would it take for the Jazz to have shot 55 three-pointers, you know, in, I don't know, pick whatever year, 97, 98, because they were really good. Well, uh, I I don't know that they averaged five a game, so I, I don't know. I mean, that's you're you're the numbers guy. I don't get caught up in that, but this is the the way they play, and it was the most impressive three point shooting exhibition that I have ever seen. Tony says that game was awful until the fourth quarter. They need to figure out the turnover issues against the better teams. It won't work out like it did tonight. That's probably true. Most teams won't defend them that way. But see, well, most I, teams won't defend them. They'll be most teams won't be gambling to get in the passing lane and won't force as many turnovers either. I can't take this effort against that team and say, well, this will work and this won't work and blah blah blah. I mean, you're gonna have to play when you play the Clippers and Lakers in the postseason, or if and when, you're going to have to be at the top of your game. So, sure. 
But I already knew that, irregardless of what happened last night. Jada Butters says, I feel like the loss of the Clippers grounded the Jazz again. Maybe even took some pressure off them as well. I don't think there was any pressure on them. There's any more or less uh, right now. Now, if if you go into the postseason, the number one seed, sure. And there there's pressure, yeah. But just looking at it, absolutely there's pressure. Once they get to the first round, there's pressure because – Donovan Mitchell was adamant in saying that we will get out. We're done with losing in the first round. So, I mean, if they should lose in the first round, irregardless of their seed, you're going to go to Donovan. You guaranteed us that you would be out of the first round. Now, I assume they're going to get out of the first round, so I don't think it's going to be an issue. But the point I'm making is absolutely there's pressure when we get to the postseason. But pressure is one of those things that – as I told you, David Shaw had said from Stanford, it's you decide about pressure. It's not anything that anybody could put on you. That's not a tangible thing. So you don't really worry about that as far as that goes. That's up to you. I can't say you have pressure. You know, I can't like you you've gained twenty pounds. All right. That that's a fact. You've lost twenty pounds. You can you can quantify that. Pressure is not anything that can be quantified. Mark says all those threes coming at Gordon Hayward's expense makes it even better. I don't know that they were at Hayward's expense. What does that mean? Uh, Gordon Hayward was on the other team and it made sure his team got beat. I mean, it's not well, like you, everyone was over Gordon. He wasn't defending all hey, of those guys. If you want your pound of flesh off of Hayward, I'm fine. You're a sports fan, and you have that right to do that. And so if that brought you a little extra satisfaction uh, to see that it came at the expense of his team, I didn't know that it was something individual, but if it came at the expense of his team and that makes you a little happier, I'm okay with that. And that, that That's part of being a sports fan. You know, as long as you're not uh, yelling obscenities to him or something, if you should go to the game or see him on the street, if you want him or his team to do lousy, I think that's perfectly within the realm of a sports fan's, uh, what, uh, choice, I guess, would be the, the right way. And really, y- you got nothing to wear. In terms of relevancy, Hayward's not going to find it in Charlotte. <laughs> he can score all the points he wants. And he's making outrageous amounts of money. For a decent NBA player who won't get a sniff at the Hall of Fame, what's he going to make? Two, three hundred million dollars? Yeah, it seems like that's where this is going. <laughs> so, so who wins that one? Gordon. For the yeah. win. Yeah. And don't forget Charlie and Bernie, because he's a family man. And if you want to learn what his kids are doing today, you can just file follow Robin on Instagram because she puts stuff up there just about every day about Charlie and Bernie and the other kids. DeGiro says, that was great three-point shooting, but we need bogey back. Can't expect 19 three-pointers off the bench very often. No, you can't. It's an NBA record. That was the first time it's ever happened. So, yes, you you cannot expect (laughs) that very often. Yeah, I think the Clarkson, Yang, and hey, uh, Ingles, were they like 19 of 27, something yep. like that? 
Yeah, that's uh, boy. If that if that were to happen, then they might as well just cancel the playoffs right now. <laughs> the starters were nine of twenty-seven, and uh, as far as Bogey uh, made all of his two-point shots, but was over four from three. Finished with ten points in this one. And we're getting people tweeting at us. Should we be worried about Bogey? We're going nowhere without a good Bogey. He just doesn't look comfortable. Josh just tweeted that in. I've had many good bogeys in my life, so I can speak to that. Uh, yeah, and, and that's that's one I'm wondering. And you know, last night obviously wasn't the time to do it. Wondering if they should consider starting Ingles over Bogey. But when you're winning twenty-two out of twenty-four, I don't think uh, you know you make a whole lot of changes there. And slightly off topic, but timely with the Lakers coming to town tomorrow night. Uh, Jordan Tracy Kennard says, do you think the Lakers will fall to the fourth or fifth seed without Anthony Davis? Seems plausible. They're only a game away from fourth right now. With the uh, Not only have they lost, but the Suns have been, uh, have been playing really well and piling up the wins. Well, I think the theory there is I'm worried that the Jazz will have to play them in the first round. That's the point. Get to the point. In the second round, yes. No, in the first round. They're not going to fall to eighth. No, they're not. But how much difference? A second round, yeah, I, I understand. But that we we already understood that anyway, because if you get second and third or they get first and fourth, you know, that could, it could conceivably happen whether they fall to fourth anyway. I mean, it really, they could fall lower than that depending on what happens with Anthony Davis next month because they have, they've said it's a, it's a four-week approximation, right? They haven't said that he'll be back in four weeks, no, have they? they're going to reevaluate him in four weeks. So right. They could literally say anything. They could say so he's could back. So six weeks, eight weeks? Yeah. I mean, we don't know. They could say he's back in a week. They could also say we're going to reevaluate him in another four weeks and just yeah, yeah. Know, kick the can down the road. So, so it doesn't really matter, I mean, to get to the point, it doesn't matter if they drop to fourth right now. It matters, do they get them back? And when they get them back, do they have a sense of urgency and say, hey, we got to play well and win some games, so we're on a roll going into the playoffs. And does that carry them back into the second or third spot? Because I think until, this, until the Jazz really took off, no one was contemplating them getting to first. But once that became possible, then it's like, hey, wouldn't have to play both the Clippers and the Lakers if they play each other. But... If the Suns get up into a second and third spot, somebody else does, but the Suns right now, because they're the ones who are only a game back of the uh-huh. Clippers and Lakers, then all of a sudden well, you could play the Clippers and Lakers in consecutive series. But should you be taking the Suns for granted, are they going to be that easy and out? You know, no. there, There's another thought here. It's like there's going to be four really good teams from the West in the second round, and you're going to have a hard series. Well, it could be even more, really, uh, if uh... – McCollum comes back, which I, you know, he will, but not if. Uh, the Blazers, I don't discount them. Uh, Denver is only 16 and 14 now, I think, but they still have talent, and we saw what they did to the Jazz on a one-game basis. Uh, so, yes, there could be the more than right, but there'd be more than four teams. But the way the bracket'll work, as long as the number doesn't get to eight, then your first-round series would be a little early, a little easier if you stay in the top spot. Well, I could I, when I originally said that I thought, wow, with the, the, obviously the Lakers have lost three in a row and Anthony Davis isn't playing, so who's to say they wouldn't drop 
all the way to seven or eight because I think it's like you know five games or so separating second to seventh or something like that. We're yeah, close that's, to it. that's exactly it. There's five so, games from second to seven. You know, since they've already lost three, you could see them losing. But then as, as I said that, or as you were talking, I'm thinking, well, okay, he may not be back in four weeks, but he's probably going to come back. You're not going to just keep him out until game one of the postseason. So the point being that he comes back somewhere towards the end of the season. So even if the Lakers had slumped a little lower than we suspected, there would be time for him to get himself in the playing shape. And so then they'd win some games at the end of the season. So then they would climb back up. So my thought is they probably don't fall to six, seven, or eight on the theory that Davis would come back and get himself prepared to the for the playoffs so then they would win the games, the majority of the games that he's in, say like, I don't know, the last 10, last 15, just use round numbers. And so he would then help them to move back up the standings yep. so they probably wouldn't fall that low. And that's what I would think sitting here right now. And then looming over all of this, and we just saw this in the playoffs a couple of years ago with Durant, is what if... You know, they're saying it's a calf injury, which is what they were saying about Durant a couple of years ago, but then Durant tore his Achilles. And what if he gets seriously hurt and just can't go in the playoffs? You know, once Durant Davis? tore his Achilles, he couldn't go. Well, yeah. I think, think the Lakers are toast. They may not be toast. I can't tell you when they would be toast in an individual series, but in terms of winning the ship, they, they would be toast. Yeah, they wouldn't do that. But yeah. who would they take out before they got Yeah, I don't know out? that. I, yeah, I don't know. I don't, I don't know what that would be. Plus, you, we also have to look at some trade deadline maneuvers. Yep. Yeah, so are they going to add another big body? Is that going to – and there'll be competition, you know, or the Nets can add another big. There's all kinds of questions out there. Yeah, I gotta again, see how I don't all... worry about the East as far as the Jazz perspective because – No, it's just that they would be competing with the Lakers, how many guys would be on the market and would the Lakers be able to get them or, you know – all of that. Yeah, probably get whoever they want to get if if the person is available. So we'll have to have to see all that, and then and in time we'll have the answers to that, and then we'll reevaluate from that point on. Josh tweets at us back in the day. The Jazz hit a three. We get the air raid siren. Can you imagine that air raid siren going off twenty eight times? Laughing, no. crying emoji. It wouldn't wouldn't need that. You know, I had forgotten about that, but now when he says that, I remember that. And, and that 28 times would be annoying. Well, it would it would completely and totally lose its effect, yeah. Because of the fact that the, just such a, a constant barrage. It really is impressive. The best shooting exhibition from the three-point line that I have ever seen. 23s, one short of the NBA record. You th- okay, so it's the best one we've ever seen. Not just you, but most of us, right? And let's, let's, sh- oh man, no. See, I don't need that 28 times. Actually, I would want it 28 times, though. Yeah, I guess, because of what it would mean for the game, but. Yeah, they're, they're winning. They're not losing when you're shooting like that. <laughs> 28 threes and a loss. How long will it be before we say that? Both teams would have to shoot the three really well, right? That's where both teams would have to make 28 and then someone would have to lose. Because you're right, in a normal game, 28 threes changes everything. So you would need, as the NBA continues to change, you know, and and the shooting's improved, 
you know, not just over the last 20 years, the last 10, but even over the last five years. So where's this going? Are we going to have both teams making 28 threes at some point? Get a couple uh, of these elite shooting teams together. See, yeah, I wouldn't discount it. I mean, I just don't think they're going to come anywhere near these kind of numbers with a team that plays them differently. You know, the, the, the Clippers and the Hornets, the choices they made, really different. You know, the Jazz had to take a lot of two-point shots against the Clippers because the Clippers were just determined to not give up as many threes. Well, the Clippers have athletes athletes that can move around on the floor. They've got size. They've got agility. They're mm-hmm. the definition of athleticism. So they're able to do different things just because who they are. Yes, but I think they all, that's true. And then on top of that, I think the game plan prioritizes. Hey, we're not letting these guys shoot. Yeah, but I, I don't. I don't. To me, I think it's not on top of it. It's in conjunction. It is. They're able to do that. Other teams are not able necessarily to do that because the Clippers can run a slew of athletic guys at you that enable them to decide what they want to do. I don't think there's many teams that have that ability to be able to decide this is what we're going to do. The Jazz only shot 34 three-point shots in that game. They were 12 of 34. That's opposed to 28 of 55. It's like watching yes. a different game from a different era. All right, DJ and PK, when we come back, All-Stars will be announced tonight, 5 o'clock, Mountain Time, TNT. Gobert, Mitchell, Conley, all going to find out. Pretty safe to say the Jazz will have two, but will they have three? Is Mike Conley going to the All-Star game? We will get to that next. A lot of you posted on Facebook. You can hit us up on Twitter as well, and we'll do that next right here on 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. Now let's get this party started. This is Hans Olsen and Scotty G on the Zone Sports Network. Here's the deal. They are a whiny group. Every year, it's something with Boise. I don't like the fact that Utah State didn't back you up, come out, just play lights out, blow out Boise State a couple of times. Like this one's for Scott. (laughs) Like put SG on the jersey somewhere. You come out of the tunnel, blow in the conch shell, running in front of everybody, and run over to the booth while everybody spreads out on the court. Like, that's my vision. And then they just blow Boise State out, and then all of you leave together like, that's what you get for being whiny. Instead, they lost. Both games. Now you got Greg Rubel who's making fun of you. (laughs) You got got the Boise State SID that's like, what happened to him? It's what you get from saying we're whiners. So Boise takes a bit of a lead in the to the conference crowd with that win last night, right? Hanson Scotting, weekdays from 10 to 2 on 97.5, 1280 The Zone in the Zone Sports Network. DJ and PK brought to you in part by Davis Vision. Davis Vision's New Year's special continues through February. Save $1,000 off normal pricing now through the end of the month. Check them out now at davisvisionmd.com. Question up on our Facebook page, Mike Conley. Going to be a first-time All-Star this year? Yay or nay? What do you think? They'll name the All-Stars tonight, TNT, 5 o'clock. Joshua says, I doubt it. He should be, but they've talked about only one from our team already. How did Golden State get Clay, Steph, and Draymond all on the All-Star team? Won the title, won 73 games. That'll do it. Hector says, Donnie's a lock. I really want Rudy to make it again. But Conley definitely deserves it. It would be awesome. Mike talked about this after uh, 
after the Clipper game, he was asked about it. He made no bones about it. He really wants this. Define who you are and show that around the league you've got the respect of you know, the people you work with, for, and around, play against. Mitchell is a lock. I think Rudy's pretty close to a lock, too. And the Jazz are one of the best defenses in the league, and he makes it go. Agreed. I don't think that uh, I don't think he's going to get passed over. No. Well, you have the best record in the league. You're going to get two. I would think so. You don't, yeah. you don't need to make justification. The fact that you have the best record in the league dictates two. It's always been that way. It'll sure. What I the, I guess the thing I was uh, ruling out was could Mitchell and Conley make it, and Rudy won't. No, I yeah. think what you say is true. When you have the best record in the league, you get two. You'd have to have a really unusual roster not to. It's never happened. But would they go with two offensive guys and pass over the guy no. who, who's so important defensively? I don't think you're right. No, I think the gonna, answer is no. Take your two, two best players. Simple as that. DeZero says, I hope so. Mike's having a great season. But Brian's not buying it. Unfortunately, I don't think he'll make it. He deserves it with his league-leading plus-minus, but missing several games due to his injury will hurt his chances. Plus-minus only matters if it's in your favor. I mean, it's plus not in your minus. favor. Can you rationalize it away? He's a star, oh, yeah, but yeah. he's out there with four guys who can't play. So his plus-minus sucks. You can rationalize it away. Yeah, we're going to... Plus minus is now the new stat. It's only the new stat if you need a stat. Brian says, here comes the woe is me. We get no respect crowd. Like it's some sort of slap in the face if the Jazz only get two all-stars on the team. That being said, I think he's got a better than average chance. Conley's showing up a lot on national writers reserve lists. Like Hollinger at the Athletic and Vine at the Ringer. With players like Devin Booker, DeMar DeRozan, De'Aaron Fox, it's going to be tough. Oh, I don't think De'Aaron Fox or DeMar DeRozan, either of them, make it. No, I don't either. Booker can make it, though. Are the Suns going to get two as the fourth best team in the West? Chris Paul and Booker? That doesn't seem outrageous. I think Booker is a slam dunk. And then it comes down to... uh, Paul is in the category, and so is Conley. Uh, those are all possibilities, and some of those other guys, too. Uh, who has to drop out? Obviously, Anthony Davis. Uh, the Clippers, do they get two? Probably. Those two guys, George and uh, Leonard, they seem to be a little bit fragile. So do they want to drop out? Particularly, you know, the thing, the reason that I think that it matters more to Conley, he's 33 years old, he hasn't been there. Those other guys have been there. So, you know, maybe it doesn't matter as much, so they would want uh, to not have to go down to Atlanta. I'm not sure where they're coming from at that time. Do they want to fly across the country if they're home? So point being that could Conley make it as a replacement player would that be good enough for him? Uh, to me, it would. If you really want to go and they ask you to go, what difference does it make, how they get you there and what the particulars are, just the fact that you're there. 
if that matters to you. And I appreciate that if Mike says it matters to him, I've got zero problem with that. I appreciate his honesty and his desire to want to be there. Nothing wrong with that. As a career achievement, I guess it would be pretty cool, wouldn't it, to say you're an all-star? Would he be that big an outlier at 33 to say something like this, given the career he's had? He's been to a Western Conference final. He's scored 20 points a game. There's all these things you can say that are nice milestones. Yeah, the thing about it, though, that the All-Star game is not a career achievement award. It would be individually. You have to earn it this year. You don't get there as a career achievement. I saw somebody tweet it out. I can't find it now. I was looking for it. But I saw it earlier this morning when I was doing getting ready for the show that, uh, you know, I really hope he makes it because he's been great for the game on and off the court. Okay, that doesn't really matter. It's what you did, the way I view it, it's what you did the first half of this season. That's what matters. That's, to me, that's what the award is, or the uh, designation is based on. Now, if you want to put in a spot or two for career achievements and character and all that other stuff, that's fine. I don't really care what you do there. Uh, but as I understand it, and I could be wrong, this is not how... It's viewed. It's basically viewed. What did you do the first half of the season? Not to say that he doesn't deserve to be on it based on the first half of the season, but I don't think you should factor in, well, he's been a stand-up guy and he's been pretty good for a number of years, blah, blah, blah. That's nice and important, but I don't think it's the prior or the primary qualification that you need to be on the All-Star team. Who are the guys he is up against? We can get to that next Who might take that spot away from him? DJ and PK. More on Mike Conley and the All-Star Reserves next. 97.5 at 1280 The Zone. That would mean the world to me, obviously. It would say a lot about me as a person uh, after the year I had last year to come back and compete at the level I've competed at. And I I do feel like I've played um, well enough to be in that conversation and to, to, quite frankly, be, you know, one of those reserves. So I think that uh, this year, you know, just everything is is falling into place where we are the best, you know, best record. And, you know, we got a coach coaching the team, you know, the West team. So it's all falling in line. So if it's not going to happen this year, man, it's it's, that will be tough. That's Mike Conley. His post-game comments asked about the All-Star game after the loss to the Clippers Friday in L.A. Tonight, everybody finds out, 5 o'clock on TNT, who are the NBA All-Star reserves. The starters have already been announced, and in the West, it's pretty much who you would have expected, LeBron James and Kawhi Leonard. Jokic is the uh, third member of the front court, and Steph Curry and Luka Doncic are the backcourt. So those five are in for sure, and then the question becomes, who's in, who's out, who are the reserves? Assuming that Rudy Gobert and Donovan Mitchell make it for, uh, that'd be 6-7, Anthony Davis and Paul George, 8-9, and nine. Damian Lillard, that's 10. Now that leaves two spots, although really there's going to be a third one because there's no way AD is going to play in this game. And then the question is, will there be a fourth one? Will someone else bow out between now and the All-Star game? So, your nominees, PK. Well, first off, do you disagree with any of those 10, or you got those 10 guys locked in? I mean, the five have to be locked in. I I have no problem with any of those, sure. So, yes, I guess I would agree. 
So that leaves uh, the Suns don't have a rep at this point. They, the Chris, Chris Paul or Booker isn't in on that list of 10, and they're going to get somebody in. That's going to be 11. So a second son, uh, Mike Conley. Uh, what about young guys like John Morant, Zion Williamson? I think Williamson will get some run. Ingram, if I remember correctly, made it last year. Now, I certainly don't think both guys are going to make it, but possibly one of those two. Uh, You like anybody else on a team that isn't very good but is having a good season? Shea Gilgis-Alexander, Christian Wood? No, 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 no. So it comes down to a second son. Zion, John Morant. I think Ingram is in the discussion. And Conley and Ingram. And if you just go by points, he's averaging 24 points a a game. That's that's pretty good. So I think that he – and he has got a little bit of a rep. Uh, So I think he would be in the mix. Uh, It's just a question of uh, how much do you value winning over individual stats. Conley's stats may not stack up with those guys, but the ball club is obviously winning at a much higher level. we got people weighing in on our Facebook page. You can tweet at us, David DJ James. Jake says, is it really a big discussion, or are we just pushing for it and setting ourselves up for disappointment? I don't think plus-minus is the first stat they look at when choosing All-Stars. It's not probably the first stat they look at when choosing All-Stars, but it is something that they look at. And I think it is a, a big discussion who the last couple are in the West. And his name is routinely in there, regardless of uh, which, which list, which national writer you're looking at. And he's definitely in the mix. Yeah, I don't think writers have anything to do with it. No, it'll though, be the coaches, and the coaches about haven't, heard any, haven't heard any comments from coaches as they pick this. Well, I mean, they, yeah, they don't they vote in secret. So, I mean, I don't really care what writers say. What difference does it make? Well, it doesn't make any difference what you and I say either. But I don't think it's just us pushing right. the narrative. But you were, I, I think know, he's a you legit. Exclusively, you've brought up writers multiple times. You didn't bring up us. You just brought up writers. As well, if there he was, was questioning influence there. He was questioning us. Is it really a big discussion? Yes, I think it is. It's always a discussion. Who's going to make the all-star team? I mean, they, of course. it'll. It's always been and it always will be. Is it a big discussion? Is Conley in the mix is what he's asking? Yes. I think because so, Because there's always a discussion. Who are the last two or three spots of the all-star team going to go to? It's always a discussion at this time every year. Yes. That's why they have this big announcement. Uh, what did you say? It was on TNT tonight at 5 o'clock? Is that mm-hmm. what you said? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So by virtue of them doing it dictates that it is a discussion. They wouldn't have it on national television and unveil the reserves if it wasn't a discussion. This is like a no-brainer. It's sunrises in the east. Yes. Bryce, I really hope Mike makes it, but I doubt it. I think the missed games hurt him. Uh, Just six, though. Yeah, and a lot of guys miss games. I mean, to miss games is uh, Paul George's... Well, he just missed six in a row, but he missed some before that. So I think he's missed about a quarter, maybe a third of their schedule. I think the bigger thing is they went 6-0 and in the games he missed. So how big of a deal is that freaking stupid plus minus? He was zero 
and they went 6-0. and zero. He had no plus-minus in that, any of those games, and they won them all. I think that's what's hurting his cause. That'll be the strike against him. No matter how well you play, they can win without you. Yeah, and I think you have to factor in, you know, the level of competition and whatnot. But as we discussed yesterday, and I'm writing about it, uh, KSL will post it here later this morning, about I believe Joe Ingles right now is having his best season. He's a little off of statistically his best season, but all things considered, I think he's having his best season, which is somewhat remarkable for someone who's been in the league and is 33 years of age. But yet, uh, Quinn Snyder had said, well, we don't put ceilings on guys. There's no reason why you can't improve. And clearly he has. So I think that's sort of working. That will work against Conley's favor. And I've got no problem with him making his all-star team. I'm just trying to analyze, well, do I think he will make it? And I'm listing pros and cons. And one of the cons is, well, this big plus minus, they went 6-0 and zero without him. So does that take away? Is it fair? Well, I don't really get into fairness, but I do think that takes away from his all-star case. Is like, well, wait a second here. They're 6-0 and zero without you. So your plus-minus had no bearing on it, and they didn't lose a game. Got a lot of negativity here, PK. Tyson, don't see it. Nancy, probably not. Alex, unfortunately not. Michael, no. Is that negativity or is that just a, a, Realism? a realistic assessment of the situation? I don't view that as negativity. It, negativity would be, are you kidding me? He has no chance, nor does he deserve it. Why are you even talking about it? That type of thing, that's negative. But saying that he won't make it, I don't think he will will make the team, I don't necessarily view that as negative because I don't think that he would make the team. I want him to make the team because of the very reason that he said he wants to make it. And I would like to see him get what he wants. If that's important to him, I want to see it. Just like when Gobert a couple years back when he cried when he didn't get it. And I know Dennis Lindsay was outraged and fine. So if somebody wants something that bad and is working for it, it doesn't really matter what it is in whatever field. I would like to see them achieve that as long as they're working for it. Now, if you just wake up and you feel like it's your birthright because your father has something or what have you, or just because uh, I want it, wah, 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 no, I don't think you should get it. But if you put in the time and effort to work for it, Whatever that might be, it's a job or whatever. My sister's, uh, my niece uh, got laid off nine months ago, and she's in the career of uh, human resources and has been trying for nine months to get a job in that field. Well, this week she got a job, and she starts Monday in the field, and she's going to make more money than she made at the job that she had. All right. who Who doesn't feel good about that, right? And especially my sister, because during these nine months, my sister was uh, underwriting my niece's health insurance. (laughs) So, uh, but the point being that, you know, she worked and worked, had this job, and because of the situation that a lot of us were in, she lost the job and was unemployed for nine months and tried to keep up a good spirit. Everybody feels good about that, right? So it's the same thing with Conley. He's working at it, working at it, working at it, and I would like to see him get it. 
Well, we'll see how much they reward winning because some of the competition is obviously coming from teams who are uh, struggling to make the playoffs, even the expanded playoffs, you know, with the Pelicans and, and the Grizzlies. Yeah, and, and uh, Moran has mitch, missed some games too, hasn't he? Because it wasn't a, I know Jaron Jackson's been out for he a good a, long while. Morant missed a significant chunk as well. Yeah, so I wouldn't put him in the discussion right now because yeah, not, of the games that he's missed. Uh, I like some of the other I, To me, uh, you know, Williamson, the league has promoted Williamson. It seems like from a national TV perspective. We are force-fed him. Yeah, yeah, we really are. Yeah, as if he's some superstar. Now, I got it. His size and all uh, dictates that it's an unusual situation, but I just don't see them as a good team. They could be shut out because of that, but also, you know, is he a young guy and the league wants to promote him? Because you have a mix here. you got the coaches picking the reserves, but then you've got the commissioner naming replacements. And I think we might as well look at the West as this is a 13-man roster because AD isn't going to play. So they'll announce the reserves tonight, and then I assume in another day or two at the most, then I would think we'd start to hear about a replacement for AD. Oh, that's so, a given. You might even hear it at the time. Could I mean they they could do that because I no assume they'll, he's not playing. I assume they'll roll it out because you know another day of publicity, keep the NBA in the headlines, yada yada. Oh, okay, yeah, you're the marketing dude, not me. I don't ever remember them naming replacements the night of. Doesn't mean they couldn't though. You're right. They could. They they literally could say there they are, and one more name because AD isn't playing. I mean they could do it. Well, yeah, I remember the, the Lakers have already announced that he's down, so why not? But if they don't and they want to soak it and add more speculation for a day or two, and if you think that's a good reason marketing-wise, so be it. And fine, whatever. You have that right to do it. But I, I sort of think that it's going to come down to Chris Paul or Conley. And I think that the my guess is just a guess that Paul will get the nod. And then Mike will be left waiting for the replacement announcement. It's not yeah, going to be yeah. a second Denver Nugget, right? Murray's not going to make oh, it. Oh, I don't see it. No, I don't yeah. see it at all. I mean, there's there's sixteen, they're a fifteen. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's clearly, obviously, Jokic is a he's starting, so that's a done deal. Yes, no one's going to argue that. And the fact that he's starting, to me is a little bit better than coming off the bench, obviously. So you got your guy. Everybody recognizes him. I think most people look at him as a top 10 player in the league. right? And so they're not winning to the level we thought. But sure, him and then you don't really have a claim. You've got a starter and your team isn't that good. So you don't have a claim. So away you go there. And so that pretty much puts an end to any of that discussion. So as we run this whole list of names, uh, if you're rewarding winning, the one playoff team that wouldn't have a representative is the Spurs, who are sitting in sixth place in the West right now. Every other playoff team would have one, and we've already conceded the top three teams are going to have two. And so we're discussing whether the fourth place team, the Suns, is going to get a second or the first place Jazz will get a third. 
Well, I think you would go with DeRozan if you want to go in that line of thinking. That wait a second here. They're, they're a decent team. You know, right now the, the Spurs, they're sort of in no man's land. They haven't bottomed out by any stretch, but they're not where they were. And they're decent. And so do you reward uh, a team that is decent? And, and to me, DeRozan is the guy. So if you make a case for him, okay. And I think he's missed like five games or so somewhere in that ballpark. Yeah, I don't. Maybe, I don't. Well, six. I don't think you get penalized for missing five or six games. You know, with I don't uh, think you should. Yeah, with Conley and DeRozan, I I don't think that's the determining factor. Uh, John Morant's played nineteen games. Well, we so that's more along the lines of ten. Right. So, so. they're they're sitting on. Uh, let's see, they've played twenty seven. Yeah. So, uh, I mean, that's a pretty thin yeah. line. Like five and six is okay, and eight isn't. Uh, you know, they're hurt by the fact that as a team, they didn't play some games. You know, there have been a couple teams here we've seen get shut down for a while. So they're sitting on 27 games, whereas the Jazz have played 31 and the Clippers and Lakers have played 32. I just don't think they've won enough, too. Well, and that's, I mean, they're sitting in 10th spot right now. And so I say playoff teams, I'm thinking the traditional eight, right? I got you. Yeah, uh, yeah. The Spurs are six, and we got this new formula for seven, eight, nine, ten. And the Grizzlies well, are 10, matter. and the Pelicans are 11 right now. So, you know, it's, so when you discuss Zion and you discuss uh, Ingram, you know, do you really want to be awarding the 11th place team? Uh, I wouldn't. I right. would let them win. I'd let them wait. They're still young uh, for Williamson. You know, last year was like a, he was a part-time player, right? It seemed like every time he turned around, they were sitting him. And if they played him, then they took him out. And he sat. So I would let him wait a little bit more. Too soon. So if you shut out that reward, if you shut out the Grizzlies and the Pelicans because they have losing records right now, they're both under five hundred. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. If DeRozan doesn't get in for the Spurs, and assuming Denver's only getting one, that Jamal Murray isn't getting in, then then Conley and the second son, um, you know, you can have Booker and Paul give all of the top four two, and you can give the Jazz a third, and you'd be at thirteen guys. And you're going to be at 13 guys because AD isn't going to play. Yeah. So it's come, at that point, if we're right about all these other things, then the question is, do you get named tonight? Is it one of the 12? Do they name the 13th tonight? Or do they name the 13th, you know, Wednesday, Thursday, whatever? I don't know how they do that. Yeah. So when you figure it out that way, then Conley's odds look pretty good. He won't fall to 14th on this list. As a, as a replacement, I always thought his, his chances were decent as a replacement. But as the 12, no. As a replacement, yes. And the funny thing is we have completely and totally ignored Jordan Clarkson. And I think he should be in the discussion. I agree with Barkley to an extent. That Clark, because I can make a case that Clarkson is more valuable to the Jazz than Conley. And I don't have to, and I love to argue. <laughs> Particularly, I love to argue when the odds are against me because it's a bigger challenge. <laughs> <laughs> right? And I don't think that it's that big of a challenge to argue that 
Clarkson is more valuable to the Jazz success. It may be splitting hairs, and in the end, it doesn't matter because the Jazz success is just that, the Jazz success, and they're all valuable to each other. But if you're looking at an individual for the all-star, now I don't even really like making the argument because it goes against the team concept of who gets credit, and the credit is shared by everyone. That's what it's, When you have everyone not worrying about the credit and who gets it, that's when you got something special that they figure out how to go, and that's that get caught up in – uh, Brady Belichick, Shaq Kobe, you know, well on and on. No, it's just the Lakers' success. It's the Patriots' success. That's what matters the most. And that's what they have by all accounts of what they've told us. This is what matters. And this is what they're speaking about. So it goes against basically the whole structure of the team. <laughs> everything, to start, every, yeah. everything Quinn Snyder has been right. preaching for the last <laughs> Seven years. And it does, from a it's basketball so... standpoint, make me a little queasy to even discuss it. But nevertheless, yeah. <sighs> if we do, I can make a case that Clarkson is at least as valuable. Certainly I can make a case at least as valuable as as Mike. Would the Jazz have gone 6-0 and without Clarkson? I hope we never find out. <laughs> well, Clarkson averaging 18 points a game off the bench is going to raise eyebrows. Now, the argument for Conley is, well, he's averaging 16.5 points and 5.5 assists a game. You know, And that plus well, minus. Yeah, right? <laughs> and Clarkson's assists have actually ticked up a little bit. He's worth a couple assists a game now. Is he? I, 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 I guess if you count uh, no, he is, he's literally averaging two point one assists. So yes, well, yeah, I know, but I think uh, I think half of those are when he passes it to himself. <laughs> Bada bing! <laughs> Even in last night's game, we saw him get into the paint, and it was really congested. And you know, the whole eyes out—that's that cliche. You ha- it hasn't bothered you yet, but it seems to me it's only a matter of time. I was thinking about the <laughs> keep your eyes out. You can't get in the paint and just look at the rim. Know where your teammates are. Look how many bodies are in the paint. Somebody's open. So they get okay, some of those sure, corner yeah. threes off Clarkson driving and passing it back out for a three. And I think that's inherent to team success, that they know where guys are. On When Niang is in the game, hey, are his feet set and are, is he open? Because if he is, i got to get him the ball. Because there's a good chance it's going to go in. And so that's that's the whole team concept. So... It really goes against the grain of what basketball is about, and I'm I'm not a big statistics guy. The statistics I was I, my basketball I was raised on magic. Let's just call it like it is, and that was about winning. And if Magic wanted to average thirty, he could average thirty, but he didn't care about averaging thirty. He cared about winning. So and they won. They won a whole heck of a lot, and I was there for just about all of it. Not all of it, but just about all of it. And to me, it's about winning. So I'm really, I don't even like making the discussion who's better, who's not. But I did notice in the 15, 20 minutes we discussed this, we never even brought up Clarkson's name. We didn't. I think his name should be mentioned. DJ and PK, it's 97.5 and 12.80 The Zone. We can run all this past Andy Bailey, covers the NBA for Bleacher Report. Talk to him about the Jazz and the Lakers tomorrow night and the All-Star Picks tonight. Andy Bailey's coming up. Stay with us. Now let's get this party started. This is Hans Olsen and Scotty G on the Zone Sports Network. Here's the deal. They are a whiny group. Every year, it's something with Boise. I don't like the fact that Utah State didn't back you up, come out and just play lights out 
blow out Boise State a couple of times. Like this one's for Scott. <laughs> yeah. Like put SG on the jersey somewhere. You come out of the tunnel, blow in the conch shell, running in front of everybody, and run over to the booth while everybody spreads out on the court. Like, that's my vision. And then they just blow Boise State yeah. out, and then all of you leave together like, that's what you get for being whiny. Instead, they lost. Both games. Now you got Greg Rubel who's making fun of you. <laughs> you, got, you got the Boise State SID that's like, what happened to him? It's what you get from saying we're whiners. So Boise takes a bit of a lead in the race of the conference crown with that win last night, right? Hanson Scotting. Weekdays from 10 to 2 on 97.5, 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. DJ and PK, it's 97.5 and 1280 The Zone, and we are brought to you in part by Mark Miller Subaru. Time to welcome back Andy Bailey, covers the NBA for Bleacher Report. He's been on the show several times, and he joins us again right now. Andy, good morning. Morning. How are you guys? Doing well, doing well. want to go big picture with you on the Jazz. Obviously, there has been a lot of winning going on, but the Clippers are full strength, the Jazz are full strength, and the Clippers win. Now, you can win before that, and you can win after that. Do you write that off as just, hey, one game, and you can't win them all, and they have nearly won them all for a couple months now? Or do you look at it and think, they are way better than 25 teams in this league, and they're hammering them, but at the top of the league, there's some problems for the Jazz. What do you think? Well, um, maybe I come down somewhere in the middle on that. I, I think that you could pick just about any team in the league and say they're going to have problems with the top tier. I think you could probably say that about the Clippers, uh, the Lakers, the the Nets. Um, the fact that I, you know, I think Utah is in that tier now. I, I think they can give the Clippers a run for their money in a seven-game series. I think they can give the Lakers a run for their money in a seven-game series. Uh, they don't. They don't have the top-end, you know, super-duper star talent like the Clippers have Kawhi and Paul George, and the Lakers have AD and LeBron. Um, but Utah, I think, may be the deepest team um, of that, you know, top tier, or at least the team that works the best together. Maybe not the deepest in terms of talent, but all the pieces just fit so well with Utah. Everybody knows their role so well. Um, they've been drawing a lot of comparisons to teams like the 04 Pistons and the 2014 Spurs. Um, this morning, I kind of thought maybe they're a little bit like that Orlando Magic team that made it to the finals with Dwight Howard surrounded by a bunch of shooters. Um, I just I think they're built so well, and, and I would probably pick the Lakers or the Clippers uh, in a seven-game series, but I certainly wouldn't be shocked if the Jazz beat them. They lost that game to the Clippers, like you said, when both teams were full strength. Um, but, I, you know, it was on the road. Not that that's as big of a deal this season with no fans, but it's, it's still something. They shot the ball a little bit worse than they typically do. I, I think they could have come away with that from that game with a win. How do you think three-point shooting plays out in the postseason? I think it's going to be about as prevalent as it is in the regular season. I know everybody says the game slows down and you got to be able to do different things, and I think that's probably true. But I, I think the game has trended so much towards three-pointers in just the last two or three years um, that it's it's going to be a huge part of every game in the postseason, too. The three-point attempt rate just continues to skyrocket. I mean, how, how many did the Jazz take last night? Close to 60, something like that. Um, and I really don't think there's going to be as big of an adjustment in the postseason uh, as there has been in years past. It is just so much a part of today's uh, NBA basketball 
that I, I don't think there's going to be a, a major adjustment in the postseason. I feel like when the Jazz play, if a team isn't really physically gifted, they can break them down. If the team isn't really mentally disciplined, they can break them down. But can a physically gifted team that's got a lot of, and the Clippers are a good example of this, a lot of guys who can defend the perimeter, they're athletic, they're long, they got some size, all that stuff, and they really stick to the game plan and execute it. Can they take away Gobert's dunks, and can they take away the three-point shot and force the Jazz to shoot, you know, Conley and Mitchell to shoot a bunch of floaters and 10- and 12-foot pull-ups? Because it seems like that's kind of the, the best-case scenario for defending the Jazz, but can someone really do that consistently? Yeah, I think you mentioned a team that can do that uh, in the Clippers. I, I think the Lakers at full strength certainly have some, some gifted uh, defenders that will make things difficult for them. I, I think the question is, can they do it four out of seven games? Um the way the Jazz are built with so many good shooters and so many good volume shooters, um, and then, you know, it may happen. We saw this with the Rockets a few years ago when they went one for 27 or whatever it was um, in the postseason. You, you can have games like that when you're, you know, heavily reliant on the three. But it's hard for me to imagine with how well the Jazz have shot for the first 30 games of the season or however many it's been, it, for them to just go ice cold for four out of seven games. Um, now, can can a team like the Clippers or Lakers hold them to you know just a little bit below the level that they've been at? Um, you know, I think that's certainly possible. And then the other problem, of course, is going to be defending those guys. Um, I, I think that's where the Jazz might actually, and, and you know, they've got a great defense this season. I think last I checked, they were tied for first. I actually haven't checked it this morning. Um, but in the postseason, when you've got a smaller backcourt like. Mitchell and Conley and Clarkson, when he's in there, can can you defend some of these teams with superstars on the perimeter? I think that's going to be difficult. Um, so, again, I, I would likely pick the Clippers or the Lakers if it, if it came down to it and these teams meet in the postseason. But I think the, the Jazz absolutely have a, a puncher's chance. Um, <laughs> just popped into my head, but I watched that UFC fight on Saturday night with um, – Lewis, Derek Lewis, and, and he has that huge uppercut that can end a fight at any minute, and I think the Jazz kind of have that with their three-point shooting. I mean, if they get hot for five or six minutes, they run away from teams this season. They did it last night against the Hornets. They've done it a bunch of times. They can kind of play even with teams for two and a half, three quarters, and then they go on a stretch where they just light the nets up for four or five minutes, and all of a sudden the game's over. And I, I think they have knockout power uh, this season that they haven't had before. Yeah, I think I would agree with that. The big thing is that the answer or the question that needs to be answered is can they do it in the postseason when there's more pressure, more defensive intensity, blah, blah, blah. And and I think that's a valid question because this is somewhat of a new group. You know, I realize they're they're in their second year, but really as far as operating uh, to capacity, this is is their first year because Conley had that – time to adjust and they brought favors back and all that stuff but it's not like okay that might be a legitimate question but it's not like the other teams and we look at the lakers and clippers at the top of the list it's not like they don't have questions either and i'll go and i'll go with you for the clippers because to me you know they've made a fair amount of changes too plus how much do you buy in the repeated failures of paul george it's not like he's been mr clutch in the postseason himself yeah, I mean, if we're going to bring up 
and, and I agree with you. I think it is valid for, for people to wonder what Utah will do in the playoffs. Um, you know, we've seen them have big hot streaks in the, the regular season before they had one last season. Um, so it's, it's valid, but you're absolutely right that there are questions about all these teams. I, I think there's as much parity in the NBA right now as we've had in quite a while. Um, there are four, five, six teams. You could probably make a decent argument for picking to win it all. Um, and like you said, the Clippers, <laughs> Paul George has had some problems despite dubbing himself playoff P. I mean, Jazz fans, I'm sure, remember pretty clearly when Joe Ingles shut him down for a series. Um, so there are there are definitely questions there. I think Kawhi Leonard's durability, even though he's been you know healthy this season, um, you never know when he has you know some health issue pop up. I think there are questions for all these teams that there's health with Anthony Davis and the Lakers, and I'm, I'm not so sure about their supporting cast after the top two. Um, the Nets are, are impressing me more and more every time I watch them play, but there's still questions about the defense. Um, Milwaukee's defense, I think, got a lot worse this season. Ben Simmons' shooting is going to be a problem for Philly. So we can, I think we can nitpick any of the teams that are in that top tier. Um, but it is, I, I think it's impressive that the Jazz have, have held this thing together, have built up a bunch of continuity and chemistry, and I, I think they are legitimately part of that top tier now. So when you talk about the top tier, it's easy to put the Nets and the Jazz and the Lakers and the Clippers in that group in whatever order you want to put them. But the Suns and the standings have crept yeah. within a game of the Lakers and Clippers, and... Partly it's the Lakers and the Clippers having their issues and their health and all that, but, man, the Suns have been really good, winning eight out of nine, the only losses to the Nets. Do you think they belong, on, regardless of record, do you think they belong in the same tier with those other four teams? So I would probably put them maybe just, just a half notch below that tier right now, but they, they certainly need to be paid attention to, and this is the second season in a row that Chris Paul has come to a team and, and really stabilize things. Um, you know, Phoenix already had plenty of momentum. I, I think Devin Booker's reputation changed a lot last season, and then they had the undefeated bubble. Um, you know, DeAndre Ayton, I think, is a little bit underrated and, and underappreciated because he came from that same draft class as Luka and Trey Young. Um, they've got good 3-and-D guys with Michael Bridges and Cameron Johnson. When they, when they plugged Chris Paul into what was already moving in the right direction, um, you know, they. I, I think they're, you know, close to that tier. I'm a little hesitant still just because of the inexperience of some of those other guys. Um, but they look fantastic. Like you said, they've just been on fire lately and something that they've been doing that I just mentioned about the Jazz earlier too is just running away. They just ran away from their matchup last night. Um, and I think that's a mark of a good team. You know, Utah for years and years was a solid team that seemed to be in struggles every single game. This year they're blowing teams out. Um, and I, I think when you reach that level, um, you're starting to be onto something. You think the Lakers have to make a move? Um, I, I don't think they have to. I, if they're fully healthy, I, I still think that's probably the toughest duo in the league. Um, now, <laughs> if we want to compare trios, then we've, we've got the Nets in that mix, and maybe that's a different thing. Or pick any two of those Nets, and maybe you can go head-to-head with the Lakers. But um, LeBron and AD just fit together so well. Um, <laughs> there's still a level that LeBron goes to in the postseason that, that I just I'm not sure anybody else can get to, which is just pretty ridiculous when you think about how long 
he's been doing that. Um, and I, I think there's just an element of coasting going on with the Lakers. Um, I still really like their offseason. I think all the guys they added fit pretty well. And Mark Gasol has looked um, slower and older than he did last season for sure. But, but maybe he's saving something in the tank for the playoffs too. Um, I, I think they're going to be obviously pretty tough. If I had to pick a team right now, assuming everybody's healthy, to make it to the finals from the West, I would probably go with the Lakers. Um, you know, I, I, I think their recent struggles have more to do with AD being out and them just kind of coasting in the regular season, to be honest. Andy Bailey joining us. He covers the NBA for Bleacher Report. So... LeBron says he doesn't need any more rest. There are plenty of people around the league talking about him needing more rest, and he's basically just blowing them off. So does he know best, or is he not aware of advancing age and he's got a blind spot? Uh, Because we have seen teams where we know they're really good, but they've just looked exhausted in the postseason. And multiple postseason runs and playing a lot of minutes, it seems like that's what will eventually get LeBron Assuming he isn't gonna, you know, be the first person to beat Father Time. Yeah. Well, I mean, he's he's probably got the best record against Father Time so far, and and we haven't seen him slow down in the playoffs to this point in his career. And I keep thinking there's got to be a point at some time when he'll slow down. Um, but I I guess the answer to the question is I would just default to he knows. I mean, he's people have talked for years and years about how much. Uh, time and effort he put into maintenance of his body and recovery and things like that. Um, and a couple of years ago, he did. And, and I think at one time with the Cavs, too, he did take a little bit of a break. Um, so I <laughs> I think if it gets to a point where he feels like he needs some recovery time, I would guess he'll probably take it. Now, I, I still think the concern is fair and valid, especially, you know, we've, we've heard some rumblings about the second half of the schedule that's about to be released. Um, and, and stuff like five games and seven nights is, is going to be on this schedule. And, and maybe um, with the NBA trying to do everything it can to pack those 72 games in, maybe then it becomes taxing for a guy like LeBron and an older team like the Lakers. And, and you lead into the postseason with a, uh, a rigorous schedule like that. Maybe they're at a little bit of a disadvantage. Um, and I would say they get a little bit of a, of a reprieve in the first round, but I, who knows? I mean, if they, if they go into the playoffs as the three or four seed um, and have to play <laughs> some other team from the West that's well above 500, um, fatigue could very much be a factor for them. So you say that you like the Lakers if you had to pick right now, or you're going with Brooklyn if you had to pick right now in the other bracket? I think so. Um, There's just so much offensive firepower at the top. And I think what's different about Brooklyn, um, and I think we could say the same thing about the Warriors a few years ago, we've seen a lot of super teams come together over the years, and it takes a year or two to to work things out. I mean, that was certainly true of the Heat with LeBron and Dwayne Wade, and um, they never worked things out with the Lakers when they had Kobe and Nash and Dwight Howard. But I, I think the fact that when James Harden went to the Nets, he was so willing to defer from from basically the moment he got there, sort of alleviated all those problems. Um, and I, I feel like I saw a similar thing with Stephen Curry when Kevin Durant went there. Um, James Harden is a guy who was an MVP a few years ago. He's He's been <laughs> told he can literally do whatever he wants in Houston, and he did for four or five years. And for him to go from that to a guy who's really willing to, to be a ball mover first with Brooklyn, I think helps them a lot. 
Um, I'm not ready to count the Sixers out yet. I, I think the leader in the clubhouse right now for um, MVP is Joel Embiid, and I think the fact that they've surrounded him with some great shooters and, and Danny Green and Seth Curry makes them pretty dangerous. But like I mentioned earlier, I mean, teams have figured out a way to play Ben Simmons in the postseason. So they've got questions um, that are maybe a bit more pressing than Brooklyn. So I'd, I'd probably go with the Nets right now. Andy Bailey covers the NBA for Bleacher Report. Uh, is Mike Conley going to be an all-star? I would sure love it uh, if he was. I, I think his candidacy has obviously taken a hit in the last couple of weeks, the time off with the injury, and then he hasn't been, you know, at least from my vantage point, quite as impactful since he returned. Um, but he's he's still one of the plus-minus leaders in the league right now, and I, I probably need to check this again. He may still be number one. Um <clears throat> He doesn't have the gaudy numbers that some other players are putting up in this, you know, offense-heavy era of the NBA, but his leadership is clearly a part of Utah taking off the way that it has. Um, you know, the last time I, I took a deep look at the All-Stars, I actually picked Conley over Donovan Mitchell. Um, if Utah keeps winning the way it does, maybe maybe they're one of those teams that deserves three. Um, we remember just a few years ago when the Hawks got five. I mean, it's a, it's a different deal now because there's obviously a ton of talent in the West, but I, I think Conley has a very strong argument to make the All-Star game. He's an integral part of the best team in the league right now. Um, really the engineer on offense. I know Donovan Mitchell you know, controls a bunch of possessions and Joe Ingles controls a bunch of possessions, but Conley has very much been a stabilizing force for this team, and, and like you said, it's it's kind of what they expected they would get last season. This is This is sort of the realization of that trade happening right now. Andy, as always, we appreciate the time. Thanks for joining us, and we'll talk to you again later this season. Thanks for having me, fellas. Andy Bailey, you can read him at Bleacher Report covering the NBA. DJ and PK, we'll take a break. A lot of you reacting on Twitter to this. You can hit us up. Use the, uh, use the app. Use the open mic feature. Send us your take. Y'all can get the audio and get it on the air. DJ and PK, it's 97.5 at 1280 The Zone. The Big Show Big with Jake Scott and Gordon Monson. Chris Mannix from Sports Illustrated. Who is more important to the Utah Jazz, Rudy Gobert or Donovan Mitchell? It's tough. It's a coin flip, and they both do different things for that team, which is great for the Jazz. You can make an argument both ways, but this might be the year where you give Rudy a bit of the edge. I think Gobert has been like a top-five MVP guy this year. He's been unbelievable. Not just the usual defensive stuff, but screen-setting, creating space for his guys to operate with those big screens, rolling off them. Just the little things that often don't show up on the statue. Every time I'm watching Jazz games, like he's doing something that's impactful on the offensive end. He's doing a little bit of everything out there, and it's really powered this Jazz start. Catch the Big Show weekdays from 2 to 7, presented by Big O' Tires, the team you trust. On 97.5, 1280 The Zone in the Zone Sports Network. DJ PK brought to you apart by Davis Vision. Davis Vision's New Year's special continues through February. Save $1,000 off normal pricing now through the end of the month. Check them out now at davisvisionmd.com. All right, we just heard from Andy Bailey covering the NBA for Bleacher Report. PK, you were asking him a few questions you've been thinking about, big-picture questions on the league. Help you bring anything into focus? Did he channel something you've been debating? Because some of the stuff we've talked about over time, and I know people can't hear every segment. There's literally like three of us who get to hear every segment. And I know this is stuff you've been, you've been chewing on for a while. Yeah, and Quinn Snyder's one of those three, obviously. 
listening to every show. Yeah, segment. I got it. I got it. Thank you. <laughs> I think Yach hears a little more of the show than Quinn. He has to podcast it every so often. Oh, okay. Uh, For his long commute. <laughs> there's a thing about this three-point shooting with the Jazz, and can it be sustainable? You know, I asked Andy about, you know, do you – basically that was the essence of my question. Well, I think the Jazz, you know, the the whole uh, cliche of uh, – you, you know, you dance with who brung you type deal, you know, because you, you hear that in all forms of postseason. Do you make changes uh, in the moment? And, you know, the theory, the cliche, you, da- you dance with who brung you. So the point being that the Jazz are going to rely on the three-point shooting for the rest of the season, no doubt about it, and that they also should rely on it in the postseason you don't want to change up dramatically now then the question be okay they're going to do that right we're pretty sure that they're going to do that so we we've eliminated the discussion of you change it up no you do what you do now can it sustain them to allow them to win each individual series will just go four Obviously, you got to get to four first. That's the whole goal. Nothing else matters. Just get to four first. And you get to four first, you advance, and then you start over again. So can it be something that they can rely on as a winning formula? They will rely on it in the postseason. I think we've already answered that question. But can they rely on it to be a winning formula that will allow them in each of these individual series to get those necessary and required four wins? And we're going to find out. I think they can. That doesn't mean they're going to win the title. But I think that they, they certainly they have to go along that way. And will it be something that can sustain them? I think it can. I'm not sure. I don't say overwhelmingly like I say, well, yes, they're going to take those threes in the postseason. I say that extremely confidently. Will they fall to the level, not to the level of last night. That's off the chart, as you said earlier. But can it be allow? Can it be to the level that allows them to win the four games? I think so. Well, that question, can it be to the level that allows them to win the four games? There's obviously multiple things going on at the same time, and so in which situation does it work? You know, there's the stretch. Do they have the stretches in the playoffs that Andy was just talking about? Where they, you're, you're trading hoops with them for a while, you're battling back and forth, you both have your six, eight, ten point runs or whatever. But then the Jazz just unleash a series of shots and just swamp you. And, it, and the lead just goes to 20. You know, and we talk about NBA leads going away all the time. But when a lead gets to 20, that's a pretty healthy lead. And so in early in the, especially in the second half, yes. So, in an early round, a first round, maybe even a second round, how much of that do we see? Does it look that much like the regular season? Now you get deeper, depending on who they face in the second round, certainly if they were in a conference final, are they able to do that? Or does it come down to what I think will that seems to me more likely than what would be harder is you're trading hoops with LeBron or Kawhi in a Western Conference final and you've got to make one or two big threes in the final minute. That, to me, is a different challenge. And to me, I think that's a harder challenge, and it's harder right now to sit here and say that's going to happen. As opposed to at some point in the game, they're going to hit five out of six, and they're going to go on a massive run. 
Now, if you're down 10 when that happens and you go up 10, you know, you're up 10 on LeBron, but there's six minutes left in the third quarter. Well, <laughs> nobody's turning off the TV and declaring victory. We all know that still hangs in the balance. And then there's another thing hanging out there, and I don't even know if we'll get to this. But Locke brought this up on Twitter, and Andy just brought it up. And I think if you watch any of their games, it may have occurred to you when the Nets have their guys, do they have so much firepower that even if you go on a run and you hit five threes on six possessions, do you not really drop a run on the Nets because they're so good at scoring that even if you score 15 or 17 points in six possessions, it's really only a 17 to 10 run. And you haven't, maybe you were down three and now you're up four and it hasn't really changed that much. And it was the best thing you did because they've got so much offense themselves. To me, each one of those is a different challenge. And it comes down to, I mean, you love pressure, but you quote Shaw all the time. It isn't real. And yet we know it impacts people. Right? Majera said a long time ago, it's, it's harder to shoot free throws when your butt cheeks are tight. Which... <laughs> It's hard to argue. We, how many times do we see someone go to the free throw line late in a game and go one for two? I mean, great, you got a point. That's better than missing them both, but it leaves the door open when a team's coming down and hitting a three at the other end. Westbrook and LeBron did that last night. Both of them in the final seconds of regulation. Yeah, like, what? yeah, but I'm not worried. I'm not worried about the Nets. the The Nets are the NBA Finals. Yeah. If I got to the NBA Finals, I got to the promised land. Then I'll wor- to me, it's if I'm worried about the Nets, then I'm in a great spot. That's true. But when they get there, if they get there, if they get there, when they get there, Jazz fans are going to want to know. What are you? Can we take what are you going to do in the fourth year of your retirement? <laughs> if I get there, when I get there, <laughs> that is so far in the distance. Why even think about that? Because it could happen. They're that good. It could happen. And, and they could get beat in the second round. And you can get run over by yeah. a truck tomorrow. Absolutely. And all this yes. worrying about what you would do against the Nets. Yep. I forget about the Nets. And but the, people the, the, the want Nets are irrelevant. The, no, the they're ship. not thinking about the Nets. The they're not, but they're not thinking about the Nets. Because you don't even know the Nets are going to be there. You just anointed the Nets a place that they haven't earned. That's ridiculous to talk about the Nets. It is I can talk about Philadelphia they, just as much. It is anointing something they haven't earned because it's February and nobody's earned any of that yet. I was about to say nobody's earned June yet, but then I realized it could be July. Whatever it is, nobody's earned the finals yet. It's February. But that doesn't stop Jazz fans from wondering. Oh, I don't think anybody's worrying about I'm, the Nets. One Jazz fan, tell me, are the Nets on your mind right now? 100% no. Hit us up! Let's go. I feel it. It's the poll coming on, people. We'll get to it next. DJ and PK, it's 97.5 at 1280 The Zone. DJ and PK brought to you in part by The Warehouse. Remember to join Hans and Scotty from 10 to 2 at The Warehouse, 1825 South, 300 West in Salt Lake City. Price is so low, it'll blow your mind. Ah, boom! Have you thought about a Nets-Jazz matchup yet? No. I just put it up during the break, PK. We're only 33 votes in, and 20% of the people say, yep. No. 
44% though are thinking about the Lakers. Oh my gosh, the Lakers are where it's at. They're always where it's at, or most of the time anyway. Twenty-five. End of the Kobe ran, no, but other than that, yes. 25% say, I'm loving the regular season. They're just not thinking about the playoffs. They're not worrying about the playoffs. They're just soaking up W's. I'm always thinking about the playoffs, and this year, most especially, I'm thinking about the playoffs as far as what will the seed be. Yeah, I mean, uh, this is uh, we're a yeah. week away from March. Of course, this is the time yeah. to think about it. Got about twelve percent of the people saying they're thinking about the Clippers, which since they just played the Clippers, I guess. Okay, makes that's sense. fine too. Yeah, you just you just saw them. you just saw them play, and it was a rare Jazz loss. So if you're thinking about them, that's not surprising. All you right, really go need to, to play very well to beat the Clippers. Go to Twitter. Go to David DJ James. Cast your vote. We'll see where you're. See where your brain is. The Clippers and Lakers are totally on my mind. I'm watching every (laughs) score with way more intensity. Mario just tweeted at us with a gif, and it's Harrison Ford, his hand solo, and he's just staring down the camera, just looking like a tough guy. He goes, all of it. (laughs) Nice, Mario. Uh, Caleb, to the uh, earlier question here, uh, Jazz are going to be hard to defend. You got to chase them off the three point line and not let them get to the free throw line, or let them get to the rim. I mean, he d- yes, yeah, yes to all of the above. Up, oh, I just sorry, he refers to an earlier tweet. He is thinking about the Nets. That's what he thinks about the Nets. The Nets will be hard to defend. You've got to chase them off the three point line and not let them get to the free throw line. Obviously, we saw James Harden in Houston shoot a lot of free throws. And Durant's pretty good at getting the line, too. Great. I mean, that, that is so ridiculous to be <laughs> talking about what James Harden is going to be doing in the playoffs. This is a franchise that made the finals twice Ever. in 40-some years. And now you're talking about, oh, my gosh. I want, uh, we need to put in a request lock, uh, lock a hatch. I just, you, you lock is such a big influence on you. You quote him all the time. That's why it's on my mind. Uh, whatever random he is stat one of my mentors. No, I was thinking of DJ. DJ oh, okay. is one of the he, – he quotes – He does. Lot, he, he just loves the stats that Locke puts out. He I does. just gloss over them. Okay, anyways, uh, your request? DJ eats them as if they're food. <laughs> uh, put in a request to uh, either Jay-Z or Dennis Lindsay, and I want DJ to, to ask him, how do you think they're going to match up against the Nets? Okay, I'll see what I can do. <laughs> I'm going to make sure that's in the specifications of why we want them on. <laughs> Hey, JC, man, we really want to get your thoughts on the Jazz versus the Nets. In the Click. Season. They'll start prepping for the Nets well before they're willing to admit it. Oh, you yeah. and I both know that. I, I, They'll be I give prepping you credit, for man. everybody. You're going to die on this hill. Yes. Good for you. Yes. Good for you, the this Nets. This hill right here. Lock, I wish Locke hadn't put out a friggin' tweet about the Nets. <laughs> <laughs> you just are a disciple of him, and he puts something out about the Nets, and then you go to town on it. We're talking about the freaking Nets. you got to be kidding me, man. Oh, my God goodness the nets the jazz will have reached the promised land uh, at that point and uh, worried about the nets at that point you'd be just playing with big time house money as you like to say like they say around here if we're worried about the nets how foolish are you going to look if they don't come anywhere near getting to play the oh nets? they may not come anywhere near the nets and to your point there's no guarantee the nets will be there either nets odds are probably better than the jazz because the west is deeper than the east 
But you come on, when the Jazz are sitting here with the best record in the NBA, when the Jazz are sitting here with the best record in the NBA, you don't think about whether they can win the championship or not. You don't think about that. You just sit here and watch games, and that doesn't occur to PK. The question watches, is, is consumes the as Nets, much sports as anyone. Yeah, not whether they can win a title or not. That's if they're going to win a title, questions. they have to beat all the best teams in the NBA. Which may not be the Nets. It so may, why may not be. What are you going to do in the fifth year of your retirement, but DJ? On March 22nd, what are you going to do? Do you know what you're going to do at that nope. time? Right. So why in the hell would I be worried about the Nets? I got the Lakers, the greatest franchise in NBA history, with at least minimally, if not strongly, arguably, the greatest player who's been to the finals 10 years in a row when he's healthy and I'm worried about the Nets? Oh, my goodness. What am I going to worry about? Can you believe what global warming is going to do in 2089? I'm petrified. Knowing full well, I'm going to be long dead. (laughs) Keep, hey, Yach. Each time he brings on the Nets and he wants to die on this hill, would you play taps for me? This is entertaining. I find this entertaining because he knows I got ahead of myself, but he won't back down. This is a trait that I admire in myself. (laughs) So why wouldn't I admire it in you? Because the thing you're leaving out here with the Lakers. (laughs) He's still going. Yes. And this is. Taps, Yacht, taps. And this goes against what we were talking about two weeks ago. This goes against, against what we were talking about two weeks ago. Which is if AD can't go, LeBron needs help. Oh, this is why I love this job beyond anything I could have imagined. <laughs> I'm alive! This is... This is beautiful. <laughs> do the Jazz have a flag? Because if they do, I've just folded it and I'm going to present it to your wife. <laughs> no, that's not funny. Uh, that's my grandfather's funeral. <laughs> I know, but that's serious. That's why I said a I Jazz know. flag. I know, but as soon as you said that, I'm like, uh. I just went to one last, <laughs> not this past summer, the summer before for yeah. my uh, father-in-law. So, yes, I made sure I didn't say the American flag because I know that's extremely serious. I said the jazz flag and made sure <laughs> everybody knows flag. we were just like screwing around. Actually a thing. I know. That's what I said. Do the jazz have a flag? That's why I asked that question. I don't know. Do they have a flag? They actually do this year. They've been running that uh, take note flag <laughs> promotion. Yes. I know, but then so, you get the... You know, the 97-year-old the, the jazz grandma who watches every game, right? And then her kid gets a jazz flag, you know. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I covered it by, with, it's like Joe Ingles said, uh, well, we're gambling, but it's all a charity. <laughs> and once you said that, okay. Okay. Same thing. I am I not know. being disrespectful in the least. I'm the dude, without question, who stands every national anthem because that represents my respect. You, or not you, I'm speaking you generally, you may think all that other stuff about kneeling was about something else. You can believe whatever you want. But for me, it's standing up every time. So I made a clear and distinct differentiation. But Here, here they come. 
Yes, PK, but the bet the Nets are better now. They're, they're and I like how up. you're just reading the ones that favor you. Yeah, like absolutely. It, continue. Yeah. Okay, let's see how what else did, we got here. What, are you at three <laughs> feet now on that hill? Have you gotten to six Rob, feet yet? Rob just sent <laughs> Rob just sent from the movie Patton, which is an old movie but a classic. Oh, sure, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, and there is uh, George C. Scott as Patton. Remember he's standing in front of the flag saluting? Of course. So, of yeah, course, yes. that came in a minute ago during uh, during taps. <laughs> okay, now here comes one. It's hard to describe the gifts. They're better than they come across on the radio. Rob's got some dude on a mountaintop over a lake. And, I mean, it might as well be the Swiss Alps. They look like 10,000-foot peaks, and the lake is way down there. And the guy turns around, <laughs> points at the lake behind him. Looks like a good hill to die on. <laughs> there you go. I respect you from willing. You're willing to fight for your. You're willing to die for your opinion. Good B- for you, BT Dubs. This is PK, and he's got Allen Iverson, and <laughs> he says we talking about practice, man. He says now change practice to the Nets. We talking about the Nets, the Nets. We talking about the Nets. The Nets, man. Uh, <laughs> the Nets. Oh, this is old school Nets. here. Snazzy Coog. <laughs> Snazzy Coog. What you talking about, Willis? <laughs> oh, yeah. That's a Different. man who died in Utah, did he not? Different strokes. Gary Coleman? Yeah. Wouldn't he live down in Utah County? He did Santaquin. Yeah, I'm not sure how he ended up there, but uh, if I recall, I thought, yeah, he lived down there somewhere. So, yeah, what you talking about, Willis? Jeff. Oh, sure, that was a staple. Jeff Jeff Jackson isn't isn't talking about any of the playoffs one game at a time. One game at a time, Dave, one game at a time. It's just the <laughs> Lakers on Wednesday. Oh, yeah, man. If they lose to this version of the Lakers, talking about the Nets, it's even going to seem more ridiculous. Yeah, but when you got the best record in the NBA, you're thinking championship and you're thinking about everybody. Go ahead. Knowing keep, full keep, well, keep you can go it. out in the second round. Keep saying it, yeah. So they would have to acknowledge that then. If Under your line of thinking, I want you to have the cajones to ask. They'll they'll make uh, Quinn Snyder available before the game tomorrow. Man, you, hey, Coach, you see what the Nets are doing? <laughs> I sent you that... Uh, Zoom call of him uh, using some choice words for a couple <laughs> <Yeah>. of reporters. <laughs> yeah. you, you can, you can my, my bleeping favorite guys. <laughs> <laughs> you gonna get? They're not thinking about the Nets at all. That's there's just no way they're thinking about the Nets. <laughs> but I appreciate you willing to die in that hill. That uh, your stick-to-itiveness to your point, however misguided, is impressive. Stay Swifty says no. And he's got Mel Gibson as Braveheart. The flag is whipping behind him, and Braveheart staring off into the distance, looking like a tough guy. Stay swifty. Yeah. I mean, if, if, if Locke would have tweeted out, yeah, Philadelphia, they look like the slam dunk, you would have just gone with that. So even you aren't thinking about the Nets. You're just thinking about no. what Locke's thinking about. No, actually, it was you. <laughs> you were saying last week, like, the Nets aren't in first place, but they're the team in the East. And they ain't caught Philly yet. Doesn't right. mean I'm thinking about them. Well, of course you're thinking about them. You just said not. they're the team in the East. From the Jazz perspective, I am not thinking about how the Jazz will match up with the Nets. I'm allowed to think that I think the Nets 
are the best team in the East without thinking how the Jazz Come and on. At, that at point, least you don't, make me work a little bit here. At that point, when they're the best of the East, you don't think about how they compare to the top teams in the West. Do you understand the definition of no? How many <laughs> times lying. do you want me to repeat you it? You are lying. I am not. I man, If they get past the Lakers, <laughs> I am going to throw a party, and I hope your hero, Dr. Fauci, doesn't have a problem with it. If they beat the Lakers and LeBron... It will be the biggest freaking win they've ever had. Uh, Are you kidding me? Okay, yes, does AD, it will. Does AD play in the series or not? Because that changes the series big time. If well, AD assuming plays, he will at that point. If AD's healthy and he plays. You're making my point totally, even more. That's totally So if they different. beat LeBron with Anthony Davis, and I'm assuming he's going to be there for the playoffs, because everybody is there for the playoffs. I don't know that he will. But if that were to happen, it would be the Biggest accomplishment, better than beating a rundown Houston team, better than beating a young and immature Laker team to get to the finals. LeBron at 36 years old is still phenomenal. He's playing and like if they he's 30. Were, yep. With or without Davis, obviously with Davis, it's a bigger accomplishment. But even without, do you realize how sweet it would be to our community? You beat LeBron, LeBron, who orchestrates his move. I had told you somebody close to the Lakers had told me a year before that he was going to the Lakers. And sure enough, that's exactly what happened. So everybody in the league or most folks in the league knew what was going to happen. And then you turn around and you got to forget that first year because he, he was injured. He would have the groin injury, missed a bunch of games. But so in the first year that he's healthy, they win the title. And then in the second year, you beat them. Who gives a flying you-know-what about the Nets? You just had the opportunity to beat the I don't know that they will, but if they did... Oh, my goodness gracious, that would be so awesome. This town would be electric. I would sign on right now if you told me the Jazz can beat with or without, but we'll just go full strength for the sake of argument, the Lakers in the playoffs and then get swept by the Nets. Who isn't taking that? Every single Jazz fan is taking that. You beat and the Lakers, obviously, what a franchise. But for many folks, you beat the greatest Laker of them all in the postseason? Oh, my goodness. Then, at that point, okay, I'll think about the Nets. But that's like, uh, on my wedding night, oh, my gosh, what are we going to do the first night we retire? <laughs> DJ PK, I- it's 97.5 at 1280 The Zone. Everything you missed in this show, coming up next. The Zone Sports Network is Utah's number one choice for sports radio in Utah. From DJ and PK to Hanson Scotty and the Big Show with Gordon Monson and Jake Scott, the Zone continues to dominate the competition. Thank you to all of you that continue to make the Zone Sports Network Utah's highest rated, most listened to sports station. Your home for the best coverage of the teams you're passionate about is right here. 97.5, 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. DJ and PK, it's 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. Yovan Buha, Lakers beat writer for The Athletic, is going to join us here shortly. In the meantime, some of what you missed in this show, 
PK, BYU is going to have a limited number of fans to attend the USF and St. Mary's games Thursday and Saturday at the Marriott Center. I think they've only had friends and family in there. I don't think they've had more than 50 or 100 people, maybe 200 tops. So now a limited number of fans. Yach thinks it'll be capped at five grand. We'll see if it's actually that large. Five grand at the okay. very most. That's and whatever classic, they think, DJ. Whatever they five think, grand. He makes it a money equation. Five grand is for thousand. It's not money <laughs> automatically. He always goes to the money. That's why you're affluent. Well, I, I hope that it's not the ladies who knit. I hope they let the students in. <laughs> the ladies who knit. Yes. All you people crocheting to the right. Students to the left. Students hold. Well, on. you want as rowdy of an atmosphere as possible, man. And, and, and this would be senior night too, wouldn't it? Uh, Saturday would be. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, these are the last two regular season games, and it's yeah. for the conference tournament. I wasn't sure if they had any makeup games or anything. I didn't know, but uh, this is yeah. I, I want I want them to get I want them to be rowdy, man. A little noise, a little enthusiasm. Have them go on a run and have the place erupt. Exactly. DJ and PK, it's time to welcome in Yovan Bua, Lakers beat writer for the Athletic. Yovan, good morning. Good morning, David. How are you? <laughs> I just dropped you access. Technology. David, I would like to talk to you about the New Jersey turned Brooklyn Nets. I think they're fantabulous. What do you think? I don't think that's why we're bringing on the Lakers writer. But here, well, I know. Well, we, but we're, we've, we've moved past the Lakers writer. Don't call him back. Get somebody from Brooklyn on. You're the one who's moved past the <laughs> Lakers writer. Oh, I love myself even more sometimes. You really do. <laughs> Hold up several mirrors. I already have. <laughs> what do you think my, my ceilings are? <laughs> All right, DJ PK, time to welcome in Jovan Buha, the Lakers beat writer for The Athletic. Jovan, good morning. Good morning. How are you guys doing? We're doing well. We're doing well. We have many questions about the Lakers, but I think the most important one, and I'm not sure you can answer it, but what do you know about Anthony Davis evaluating him in here in a few weeks? Is he likely to come back? Are they likely to say they're going to evaluate him again in a few weeks? Because it's certainly a different team with and without AD. Uh, well, uh, a few days ago, Frank Vogel gave him a four-week timetable, which would bring him back, uh, you know, I guess a week or so after the All-Star break. Um, you know, and I think with this injury, you can never be too cautious. Um, you know, and I think you look a couple of years ago with, with the Kevin Durant situation and what ended up happening with him and, um, you know, the, the, the notion that they might have brought him back a little too soon and, uh, you know, for the Lakers, I, I think they're in the, the stage right now, um, you know, especially as defending champs, that uh, you know, they just want to get to the playoffs healthy and, and you know, uh, with home court advantage. And if they can be the, the three or four seed, uh, they like their chances against, you know, basically anybody. But uh, if you lose Anthony Davis for an extended period of time because you rushed him back, which they might have done, uh, you know, I guess technically to begin with, uh, after he only missed a couple games and then uh, was re-injured, um, in that next game, uh, you know, I, I think they're just going to be extra cautious with the situation. But at the same time, you know, they're currently going through a skid right now. And, um, you know, they, they don't want to fall too far down the standing. So uh, it's an interesting balance. But I think ultimately they're going to be cautious with him. And um, I do expect him back, you know, within a week or so of the All-Star break, uh, barring any setbacks. 
So we've heard about LeBron talking about this rest, and I admire him willing to go out there and play every game. You know, there's no doubt about it. Anytime I'm going to watch the Lakers, I want to see LeBron. I'm a fan of basketball, and he's the guy. And I certainly think that whatever he says should be consulted and seriously considered. But in my mind, it's a management decision. And if the management team decides that LeBron needs to sit or what have you, then I think they should do it. It should be you will you include him in the discussion, but I don't think he should have the final say in that way. You know, it's not an injury situation. It's a rest situation. What do you think about the opportunity to have him rested and should management take control of that and sort of take it out of LeBron's hands knowing that he has a say? Yeah, I mean, that, that, that is a, a tough one. Uh, I, I do think in, in general, um, you know, as a, as a general practice, um, you know, teams have um, their their medical staffs tracking th- these guys, you know, at everything, you know, blood pressure, heart rate, um, you know, workload, like, you know, I, I know some teams have it where it's literally like a stoplight where, you know, they have a, a different color for, for each guy of, okay, this guy's a green, this guy's a yellow. You can't let this guy get into red because that's when it's, it's the danger zone. So um, I'm, I'm sure on the Lakers end, they're tracking and monitoring all of this. Um, you know, obviously LeBron is kind of a, in, in, in an unprecedented situation where we've just never seen someone at, uh, you know, 36, you know, basically look like they're 24, right? Like, I guess the, the, the closest would probably be, um, you know, Carl Malone or, or Kareem, but I think LeBron's, you know, obviously more athletic than, than either of those guys. So it's just, we've never seen a guy be able to kind of handle this production and workload at this age. But, um, you know, I, I'm with you guys in that I think, he probably should just, you know, take a game off at some point. Um, but I think if anyone has earned that kind of right to dictate their their, you know, kind of body and, and whether they're playing or not, it is LeBron. I mean, he is the most powerful player in the league. So I, I think, you know, I think from the Lakers, with some of the stuff that, that's been said publicly, it does sound like they'd probably want him to take a night off. But it, he clearly is just rejecting that. And if that's the case, I think. You don't want to upset LeBron and force him to take a game off and potentially, you know, have him upset and, you know, whatever consequences uh, come from that. So I, I'm with you in, in, in you know, in, in practice that I think, in, you know, you should I'm, – I'm more pro-rest, and especially with the workload he's had lately with AD out. I mean, if you look at some of the, the minutes, it's been – you know, he had a stretch where he had three straight games with 40-plus minutes, um, you know, went 40-plus went minutes last night. And they're losing these games, you know, and, and that's where I, I think the issue is, is if he, you know, if they're winning because he's playing a lot of minutes, that's one thing, but they continue to lose, um, you know, recently. And that's just kind of a double whammy of you're falling down the standings and you're wasting LeBron's minutes. So um, I wonder if, you know, maybe he rests a game coming up here, but um, I, 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 I'm with you guys. I just, I think that he's the, you know, kind of the one player that, really has that power to kind of dictate that, and I don't think the Lakers are going to mess with that. Kyle Kuzma played his college basketball at the University of Utah. A lot of people still following him. And, you know, where after you got the big two, who are a couple other players who can really perform at a high level for you? There's the expectation he's that guy. Is he fulfilling that more? Is he all the way there? Is there still stuff they expect from him? How, does he, how is he fitting in right now? Yeah, well, I would say after the, the two stars, the third guy this season has been Dennis Schroeder. Um, you know, he, he is 
uh, you know, stepped into that starting point guard role and, and played fairly well. And it's been a big loss for him, you know, and I think he's someone that they're really going to miss in Wednesday's matchup against the Jazz. As for Kuzma, I think he's really taken a step over the past, you know, 12, 14 months embracing a role player role where, uh, you know, his first couple of years in LA, he was one of their leading scorers. He kind of had a breakout as someone people were looking at as, hey, you know, is this guy a, a potential all-star or, or is he, you know, a potential 20-point-a-night, you know, career scorer? And, you know, obviously that that's no longer the case. And um, he's taken a big step back with LeBron and AD um, now in the Lakers. But I think it, it's been the other areas of his game that have really grown where he's become a plus defender. And that was not the case a couple of years ago. You know, he was a bad defender a couple of years ago. And he's, he's used, I mean, he's got a good frame. He's six foot nine, long arms, you know, fairly athletic. He can defend multiple positions. Um, and if you look at his steal and block numbers, those have all increased. Uh, and then his rebounding, all of a sudden, um, you know, he, he was a decent rebounder, but he's become a pretty good rebounder. He's had, a, a, you know, several double-doubles this year. Uh, if you look at the, the offensive rebounding, he's had some really big offensive rebounding games with, you know, four, five, six offensive rebounds. And um, th- those stretches have, have saved the Lakers at times when they've been struggling offensively recently. So Kuz, I think, you know, get, getting the contract uh, that, that he got heading into the season and, and just kind of, accepting his role you know, off the bench and, and as a guy who is not just a scorer but can do other things but with rebounding and passing and defense, um, I think he, he's, he's really flourished lately. So uh, you know, he, he's not the third guy on the team necessarily. He's not the third leading scorer, but he's someone that is kind of like a Swiss Army knife for them where they can plug and play him. He's played two through four, uh, again, defended multiple positions, and I think he's had a really nice season quietly. From the Laker perspective, which team concerns you more, the Clippers or the Jazz? Ooh, uh, putting me on the spot here. Uh, well, right. I mean, right now it's it's the Jazz with, with how they're playing. I, I do think for for my my I, I guess mentality tends to uh, lean towards star power, and I, I just think that if you're looking at the Clippers versus the Jazz, Kawhi Leonard is the best player in the matchup, in my opinion, and. Uh, that would give me a slight, uh, I guess, edge to the Clippers. But I think with what Utah is doing right now, I mean, you can't discount it. And I think, you know, some people have defaulted to the, well, it's the, you know, every year there's a regular season team that, that, you know, kind of breaks out and, you know, it's not legit. But I think with the sample size that we're seeing now, uh, I believe they're, what, 26-5? and five? And, and, you know, 21 uh, wins of uh, double digits, like, you can't discount that. And, um, you know, I, I've personally been a, a big Utah guy the last couple of years. Like, I, I felt that they were the third-best team in the West each of the last two seasons. Um, you know, I picked them to win Denver, uh, to beat Denver in, in the first round. So, um, I'm, you know, I think I, I've been more of a, a pro-Utah guy than, than most uh, in the media. And, um, you know, I, so I, I, I buy this. Like, I think they're really, really good. I think this shows what happens when, when you keep a, a core together and just kind of add some some pieces around the fringes. And, um, you know, obviously Mike is, is having an all-star caliber year. You got Donovan and, and uh, Rudy doing what, what they do. And, um, you know, I think Quinn's a really, really good coach. So, uh, I mean, the team is very dangerous. And, I, I mean, if we're being candid here, like I think they're probably going to blow the Lakers out uh, on Wednesday just with the way the Lakers are shorthanded and, and with the way they're playing right now. Um, I think that one could get out of hand. 
Phoenix Suns have inched within a game of the Lakers and Clippers. At what point should we say it's not a big three in the West, it's a big four? What would have to happen for you to say that? Yeah, I mean, the, the thing, with, the only thing with Phoenix for me is the the lack of experience, right? Like uh, again, looking at you know the the other teams um, at the top of the West, you know, Lakers defending champs, Clippers of multiple guys who have either won championships or, or gone deep in the playoffs. Um, you know, same with the Jazz, uh, the, the Suns, aside from Chris Paul and, and Jay Crowder, are a pretty inexperienced group, and I think we've seen it in recent seasons that, you know, young teams tend to struggle in the postseason. Um, now, Chris Paul, I think, is one of the best point guards ever uh, and, and obviously one of the best leaders ever and is the type of guy that can maybe get them to overcome that, right? And I think you look at last year's playoffs with OKC and, uh, you know, I, I think that team had no business going to seven games with the Rockets. Uh, but, but the fact that they did and, and almost won that series, uh, I think that's a testament to Chris Paul and, and just – if you look at it, every every team he's gone to, you know, their win percentage has gone up, and, and usually by a, a decent, you know, amount, like you know, ten plus wins. So, uh, I think you know, if anyone could do it, Chris Paul is one of those guys. But um, you know, for, for me, I, again, I think it's experience. I, I think it's the defense. Um, you know, I think offensively they have a bunch of firepower, a bunch of shooting. You know, Devin Booker, I think, will be just fine in the, in the postseason. But uh, to me, it's the defense and the experience will, will be my only knocks on them. But I like them. You know, I, I do think they're right there. Uh, I'd probably put Denver at, at full strength uh, ahead of them as probably the fourth best team, but I think Phoenix is right there at, at probably you know four or five. What percentage do you put on the Lakers making a move here before the trade deadline? Ooh, um, if you're asking a are you asking a trade or a buyout? Oh well, it could be either. I was up. You know, yeah. I, I would yeah. probably uh, think buyout would be a little bit stronger of of uh, opportunity. Yeah, no, I, um, I would put that at, I don't know, 90 to 95%. Um, okay. You know, I, I think the, the, the waving of Quinn Cook last night um, was a, a move in that direction. Uh, now, uh, you know, it seems like they're not in a rush to add anybody. They're not necessarily going to add anyone soon just because of if you look at who's out there, um, you know, I don't think there's anybody that moves the needle that much. But, you know, we've heard the rumors of, Andre Drummond or Blake Griffin potentially getting bought out. I think they'd have interest in either one of those guys. Um, I personally don't see the fit with the Marcus Cousins. You know, I, I think they need uh, more of a you know athletic, defensive type uh, at the five, and that is not the Marcus Cousins. So, who knows? Maybe they end up signing him, but I personally just don't see the fit. Uh, but yeah, no, I, I think the, the waving of Quinn Cook last night what was a clear sign that they're you know. They only have 13 players on the roster now, and most teams carry at least 14. Um, so I do expect them to add a guy to the buyout market, but this also gives them a little bit of wiggle room if they want to make a trade that they can take on a little extra salary uh, than they could have before. So they should have about like 1.7 million um, in uh, you know under the hard cap right now. So this gave them some financial flexibility. Quinn Cook wasn't playing; uh, they technically could resign him on a couple 10-day contracts, but. Uh, I definitely expect them to make a move uh, between now and like the end of March. Jovan Bua joining us. He is a Laker beat writer for The Athletic, and I am curious your perspective being around the team on how Frank Vogel has done it, because there was a 
just a ton of speculation about how long he would or wouldn't be there. And it seems like there's no drama there whatsoever. Everything has come together. How's he done that? Uh, it, it's been, it's been, you know, impressive uh, because, um, you know, we, we've seen what, what's happened with, with the Lakers over the last, you know, seven years or so, where they've had a revolving door of coaches. They, they had the, the nonstop drama on and off the court with players, with the coaches, with management. And, you know, it, it's become a little bit of a circus, right? And, and um, I think that what they've been able to do over the last couple of years with, um, you know, Rob Plinka stepping up as the clear leader uh, in the organization with, with the hiring of Frank Vogel, which, remember, he wasn't even their second option. He was their third option. You know, they they'd wanted Ty Lue and, and Monty Williams and ended up settling on Vogel. Uh, but if you look at what he did last season, um, you know I think the key for him is he is a bit of a player's coach where he, he does default to, um, you know, he, he's a little soft-spoken, he's, he's relaxed. Um, like, I think there are some similarities with, with he and Luke Walton in that regard. And I know that, you know, there are a lot of Laker players that like Luke Walton because of that dynamic. Uh, but, but Frank is, is also a guy who preaches defense. And if you look at, you know, in, his Indiana and Orlando stops, like, He's always been more of a defensive coach, and having LeBron and AD, in, in you know at the time Rajon Rondo, like you're going to figure out the offensive end. But the, the defense, I, I think, for this team to get them to buy in to, to be a top three defense last year, um, and, and you know really kind of have that identity, I think that was really key for him, uh, and got you know LeBron and AD on board, and it really was LeBron's best defensive season since probably going back to Miami. So. Um, I think, you know, the buy-in he's been able to get from the stars, um, you know, from, again, I think being a bit of a player's coach, but also someone who, uh, you know, is a very smart, uh, you know, similar to like an Eric Spolstra, you know, came up in the film room, knows his X's and O's and, and film very well. Um, you know, like multiple player, uh, Laker players this season have said that Frank Vogel has the best film sessions that they've ever had with a coach and that just his level of detail that they almost feel like it's, it's more productive than their practices uh, in film sessions. So um, I think all of that combined has, uh, you know, led to him being safe, right? And, you know, I don't think there's any concern about his job security at this point. But, um, you know, winning a, winning a championship helps. Having LeBron and AD helps. Um, but I, I think he deserves a lot of credit and has done a really good job. Well, Jovan, we appreciate a few minutes. Thanks for coming on and talking a little Lakers with us. Yeah, thank you guys so much. Jovan Bua, the Lakers beat writer for The Athletic, join us here on 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. Your feedback coming up next. Stay with us. And it's all over almost here. Don't go nowhere. Mitchell's a late game gangster, known as the last half dawn. He'll load it up and mow teams down, but not till the game's half gone. I don't understand why PK is freaking out so much about the Nets. They are a lot better this year. And if you're looking ahead, you're probably going to look at the Nets. You're going to look at all the teams. You're sports radio. You talk about sports and teams. What is happening? Your feedback. Hit us up on the app. Use the open mic feature. You can sing for us. You can deliver your hot take. Jill, you're nothing to me now. You're not a friend. You're not a listener. I don't want to hear from you. I don't want to see you. If you choose to use the open mic, I want to know a day in advance so I don't have to listen to it. 
Jill, don't go to Lake Tahoe with PK. <laughs> don't do Yuck. it. Lake, Lake Tahoe's gorgeous, but don't go there with PK. Jock, I don't want anything to happen to Jill until DJ is gone. <laughs> okay, sounds good. <laughs> taking the script out as far as possible. <laughs> we're really taking liberties right now. Jill, we're going to send you to Vegas to run some hotels. we got some new properties. Well, I was keeping with Kay and his wife's godfather theme on Donovan Mitchell, so I had to tie it all together. There it is. <laughs> Put a bow on that. <laughs> oh, shoot. Mike Conley, is he going to be a first-time All-Star this year? 47 people have liked that tweet. So I think those people who are liking that tweet are thinking he's going to be a first-time All-Star. A lot of competition out there. Four or five people you can build a case for for that last spot or two. And I really think it's two, not one. Of course, when they replace Anthony Davis, if not when, are they going to replace him with a guard or are they going to replace him with another big? Oh, what's the difference? I don't think there's a difference, but that doesn't mean they won't do it. You're right, but what is the difference? I mean, it's a it's an all star game, game run up and down. Everybody's going to be shooting threes and not playing defense until the last ten minutes, if that long. I realize they got a little worked up last year, so that was good, but I can't guarantee they'll do it again this year. Hopefully, they will. A little competition is always better than no competition. Sure, but I'm not going to crack on them if they don't, because it just doesn't matter to me. I don't even remember. I remember that they played. More with more intensity at the end last year, but I don't remember what happened or who won. <laughs> Chill. Was that a Jersey threat? I'm gonna get whacked. <laughs> uh, <laughs> and you can't remember who won because now that they're doing Team LeBron and Team whoever, who was it? I don't even know who picked against LeBron last year. I mean, it's Durant this year. I know that. But I'll probably forget it in a year. It wasn't Durant last year because he was rehabbing. Uh, I don't. I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> All right, TNT, five p.m. today. We'll find out if uh, if Mike Conley uh, is an All Star. Uh, we've got the <laughs> we've got uh, <laughs> we got people responding to BYU letting fans in. Uh, they're gonna have a limited number of fans. Uh, for the two games Thursday and Saturday to wrap up the regular season at home. Greg tweets at us, yeah, and as soon as the all-clear comes, the the running Utes are also going to have a very limited number of fans. See what you did there, Greg. That was a shot. that was good. Yeah, that was a shot. That was a shot. That's a decent shot. I like that. I I just think for BYU, it should be the typical student. I want a 33-year-old balding white male who's in the stands just going crazy. I think you mean a 23-year-old who looks like a 33-year-old because he's balding. <laughs> Going crazy. I don't know. They seem so old. I just uh, – everybody at BYU is old. You know, that's – that's of course, they're only old. It's only a story when they're good. So old. Well, I was watching the uh, jazz game last night with a friend of mine was over, and Zeller goes to the line. I said, did he play for BYU? <laughs> he's balding white dude. Did you get a laugh <laughs> at that? <laughs> yes. <laughs> And it's a neighbor of mine, and he did go to BYU, so he enjoyed that even more so. Nice. 
All right, we are out of time. Scotty and Hands are coming up next. We'll see you tomorrow right here on 97.5 at 1280 The Zone.